welcome to the Screamcast episode 116. I am Sean Drager, and back from Fantastic Fest and flu free is Brad Henderson. Yeah, dude, I'm not sick. Uh. <laughs> or last year we had it was last year it was either Fantastic Fest or South it's by Southwest. Every every fucking year, man. And uh, usually, like we're like set to record, and then you send me a text. Like I I read the text in your sick voice, dude. I'm sick. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, congratulations on avoiding that the 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 Austin plague. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to be talking mainly about Fantastic Fest today. Uh, Given your rundown, you saw like how many films? Like thirty six. Um, thirty two. I think it's a hell of a lot of movies to watch. It is, and I did it. Wow! Like Travis Stevens was even oppressed. <laughs> I saw that was- at you saying like. You're a machine. Yeah. It's actually my lowest um, from previous years. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy, so, man. But, yeah. It's, right. it's well, uh, I, uh, an endurance test. I know, man. I, I'm, I don't know if I can do it. One of these years, I keep saying it, one of these years, I will do it. Uh, my, four year, my four-year-old, and he's now four, so he's getting easier and easier. So uh, it'll be easier for me to, to negotiate time away. Um, so we'll see, but you know, my wife works. So, you know, me being gone is that is, is always a big deal. So with three kids, but we'll work it out. We'll, we'll, there'll be, there'll be some negotiations that will begin, um, uh, for a fantastic fest. So, all right. I'll take a sip of my, uh, coffee shop of horse coffee. Wow. <sighs> coffee shop of horse.com. Use the code Screamcast and get 10% off. <laughs> uh, we'll never like get huge because I'm horrible at uh, Plug plugging in. our sponsors. <laughs> yeah. But if you like coffee, uh, grab their, grab their shit. It's good coffee. All right. Well, uh, we'll get into Fantastic Fest in uh, just a little bit, but first let's jump into what's on our doorstep. Holy cow. I almost forgot. We'll get the door. Pizza. Now, since Brad's going to be taking up most of the episode with uh, Fantastic Fest, I'm just going to run through a few things quick that I've been watching um, over the past couple weeks. There's been a lot more. I, 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 I'm I, horrible, man. I was I was trying to keep up with Letterboxd and everything, and I'm just awful. I always fall off, and, and I'm always like trying to think, like, what the hell did I watch? And it's been a couple weeks, so bear with me here. But the first thing I wanted to talk about, I watched Dan O'Bannon's um, The Resurrected. From 1991, also known as Shatterbrain, apparently. Yeah, what did you think? I loved it, man. I got the uh, I got the German big box here, and it's you know I I talked about it on our my little YouTube bullshit, and but I loved it, man. Like you know Dan O'Bannon, there's just, just something about about him uh, as a writer and a filmmaker, like um, especially around this time period, I guess. But um, it's early '90s, so I was glad to see that it was still all like practical effects. But um, it's you know, uh, I guess it's based on an H.P. Lovecraft story, which is always good. But mm. uh, I enjoyed it, man. I, I want I want to watch it again. But what does um, that mean? I wouldn't mind watching it again. Sometimes movies you watch them and they're kind of one and done. Like this is something that you know I definitely revisit. You know, 
a couple, you know, a couple more times. But Chris Sarandon's in it. And, um, but I think this is a movie that if you can track it down, like if you're watching it fresh, you know, watch it and be, uh, be surprised with it, have fun with it. Uh, basically a guy, uh, he plays like a private detective and he gets hired to find out what this woman's husband's been up to in this, um, uh, it wasn't like a shed in their yard, but then he moved away to, to, uh, doing experiments in like this cabin and he gets hired to, or I'm not sure if he's, there's actually money and exchanged, but, um, he does get, uh, asked to look into this, um, as some like reports of like, there's reports of these crazy murders and everything, uh, rise up. So, uh, check it out. I liked it. Great, great effects. Get, gets bonkers towards the end and uh chris chris randon uh, as good as uh, as good as ever so th- is this available like digitally at all anywhere or is this one of those movies that's just like no i think it's just out of print i don't know i don't think it's yeah i don't think it's anywhere was it available on, it wasn't available on blu-ray before like but this is like like this blu-ray stack like red red shirt pictures actually does stuff for this so i don't so i'm like you know, so, so they've done work for somebody somewhere. It's just like nobody's put it out in the States here. No. It's just this German release. But it's like, I was expecting it to just kind of be just this, you know, just kind of a whatever release. But it's a really good release. Like, this is something you would see, like, you know, Arrow put out or Scream Factory or whatever. Yeah. No, it's, um, I don't know, man. Just rights issues, I guess. Weird. It's got to be just waiting in the wings to be released by somebody. Waiting in the wings. Waiting. Is there a song called "Waiting in the Wings"? I don't know. We can make. We can make one up. Waiting in the wings. Oh man, you like just, a serpentor. Yeah. I know you're gonna ruin it with like some eighties <laughs> shit. I'm trying to make some like eighties hair metal. Song. Uh, all right. Uh, and then next up, have I? I haven't talked. Have I talked about the? Uh, this isn't horror, but the Transformers, uh, the movie Blu-ray. I think so. Have I talked about it? I don't think you I have. Could, you could talk about it again. Chef Actor released this, uh, they, they had a steel book and then a regular, re- regular release, but the restoration on it is amazing. Uh, I had the Australian version, but this one blows that out of the water. Uh, let's just say I had a boner watching a cartoon about robots. Dude, that's like, that's some heavy shit. <laughs> it's really good. They did, they did really, really good work on it and really happy with it. Uh, Blasting along here, I finally watched for the first time ever Basket Case, the 1982 Frank Henenlotter film. Uh, talk about bad shit. This movie is ridiculous, and a lot of you probably have seen this many times. I came into this like totally fresh. Like I had only seen like the monster, and I see him on like you know T-shirt designs and all this kind of stuff. But I knew that I was going to be watching it, so I've ever since I found out about it, and it's been, gosh, when I first almost bought the DVD, it was probably like eight years ago or something like that. So it's been on my mind trying to watch, but I just never got around to it. And amazing that I did not get spoiled in this film at all. And this guy, it's like it's it, this movie was great. It like had that gritty, gross New York feel that I love. Um, these these earlier movies, how they portray New York. Um, and it's about this guy that has this like, uh, creature in a basket and he goes around and he's seeking vengeance, revenge on certain people. And, uh, and, uh, 
It's great. I don't know. This, there's stop motion in it, which is always like something that really makes me happy in the indie films. And it's actually, it's okay stop motion too. It's not that bad. It's not, uh, it's not awful like that one Code Red movie I watched. What was that movie? But, um, but it's good. I'm, I'm, I'm awful at, it's early in the morning. I'm awful at, uh, talking about these movies, but, but I, I love that. I love the, uh, the, the low budget charm of it, you know? Yeah. Um, it's not like insanely gory. There's like a lot of blood splatter, right? In the aftermath. Um, does that change with the, this, the sequels? No, I mean, they're all pretty much batshit crazy. I don't know. The thing is, like, now that, because I've never seen all these, like, I don't know where they're going to go for the sequels and how this movie ends. So I'm, like, really excited to check them out. I, I watched the, um, Second Sight. I have the trilogy in this, uh, Steelbook. And I believe all three releases are available on, on, uh, yeah, they're, they're Blu-ray. available over here now. Um, and I think the Second Sight release is region free, I think. Yeah, but that's long out of print, though. Oh, is it? Lucky yeah. me. Yeah. But uh really so. fun film, man. Really, really fun. I love these, you know, these low budget flicks. It, it, I, at first, I was shocked to see those in full frame. So I'm like frantically Googling to make sure that's the original aspect ratio, which I, I, I'm assuming Second Sight wouldn't fuck something like that up. But, um, but it, it was, of course, it's a full frame or not, not, you wouldn't say, say it's full frame because, uh, this wasn't made for TV, but, um, but it just, it just has that, you know, gross gritty feel you know yeah i mean it's not as i guess the sequels aren't as gross um because i forget it was like this sequel was made like eight years later or some shit um but it's more of like a monster movie okay so um because it has monsters so like yeah, because like other family members show up okay. of that like bloodline or something. I think. Okay, I'm so weird. Like I'm like avoiding spoilers on the, like a, on this movie, like 20 plus year old <laughs> movie, but oh, gosh, 30 years now. Holy shit! Right? Yeah, it's got some great monster effects. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah, there's and there, and there's a there's a one really creepy sequence in it when the woman's dreaming and uh, you know, she basically's a. Uh, Wakes up or, or, or imagines that uh, she's uh, having sex with uh, the monster. Yeah, it's hot. God damn it. Um. All right. Next up, uh, based on you know, BJ was talking about Thirteen Ghosts. I busted out my double my my double feature Blu-ray with Thirteen Ghosts and House of Wax on it, and uh, popped in Thirteen Ghosts to give it a, to give it a shot. It's been a while since I've seen it, and. Uh, the movie as a whole, like, holds up. The characters are kind of 90s annoying, but, um, some great use of effects, man. Practical effects in this one. I think this is mostly practical effects, right? I mean, they lo- they all look fantastic. And, um, yeah, I think most of them are. Yeah. And there's the scene where the dude gets, like, cut in half by glass and, like, the front half of him slides down the glass. Like, I love that effect. That always makes me happy when that happens. Or, like, yeah. Or like if people get like like in the like in Cube where the guy gets like sliced by all those cubed up by like la- lasers and he pieces of him start falling off, I love that type of effect. That happens a lot in uh, in flicks. That happens, I think, in Final Destin Final Destination Two. That happens. I think, I think you just made like a Cube Resident Evil crossover. Oh, it happens in Resident Evil too. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, the, no. The lasers <laughs> yeah. are in Resident Evil. I yes. think in Cube, like there's no. It's just like it's just thin, goes, thin wire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy yeah. shit! Did I just do that? It's see. I need to. I need to drink some more of my coffee shop of horse coffee so I can. Uh, oh wake my up. god. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. I can't believe I did that. <laughs> so, you know, Cube and the lasers come down. Wait, that was Cube 2. Cube 2 is awful. Cube 3, however, is a prequel and actually pretty good. Moving you along. Made, you made it sound great. Moving along, uh, I want to touch on these really quick. Uh, I did check out the, these two releases by Cult Epics. Uh, I know you still have to watch these, so I want to talk about these a little more, uh, with you when you watch them, but I watched Sin and, uh, which is an original film by Nico. And it's like a 30 minute film, silent film shot like, uh, they would have in the, the twenties. And, uh, it, it is three separate stories, uh, focused on three, different women and and there's um a lot to do with like uh i don't know like um oh i I, it's like i want to rewatch it i need to rewatch this and you and i need to discuss this further but i i really dug it um it's only 30 minutes it's very like you almost feel like you're like in some college art show you know watching some some you know little 30 minute art film uh there's the second ep the second story is surprisingly explicit and involving nuns and uh but uh very interesting very very cool it's something i'm not i'm not sure how much he has these up for sale but since it's only 30 minutes uh there's only a few extra things there's some i guess some of his super eight short films are on here which is great and then the the there's like a booklet in here like with the um storyboard drawings which is awesome i love looking at storyboard drawings so i think you and i need to discuss this when you when you watch it but i dug it for what it was but i couldn't recommend someone paying like 30 bucks for it but it's definitely something if you're interested in like experimental or more artsy stuff like worth checking out and then the exotic dances of bay page are freaking you know restored uh film of Betty page dancing which is, which is great. I mean, I mean, is is this is this a review? Yeah, <laughs> I, it's not a. It's not a movie. It's just her dancing. It's black and white footage of Betty Page dancing, and it's like some. Uh, this is something I would like put on in like in like a college party. You know, like having a party, you, you have it up on the TV and have Betty Page dancing away. It's interesting. Like I. There's, there's some interviews on here. You know, um, with one of her relatives her nephew which is interesting and um so if you're a betty page fan i mean it's something i would definitely grab but it's not it's not a movie it's literally just betty page yeah but it's the footage that um nico like found and was able to like release yeah like restore because these things are not very uh well known or talked about right yeah it's super cool like it's awesome so I'm, I'm glad that's out there. I mean, like I said, like this is something I would definitely uh, at any of the any of the rock and roll bars I would have been to or any parties I would have been to when I was in college. Like this would have been playing at, at one of them at least. I w- this would have, something that would have been playing somewhere. So, um, 
And finally, I watched uh, Chopping Mall Blu-ray. It's awesome. It's beautiful. Chopping Mall, Chopping Mall has never looked better. The special features are fantastic. And all of you complaining about paying $26 to $30 for Chopping Mall on Blu-ray, fuck off, save your money, budget a little bit, and buy the goddamn thing. Jesus Christ. Sick of hearing people complain about it. That's it. That's why what's on my doorstep. <laughs> wow, man. You just, like, dropped some... I'm sick of people's shit. Well, it's like, you know, there, there's, there's people that just complain about stuff being expensive and like $26, I got, I got it for 26 bucks. That's not too bad. And like how stacked the disc is, it's like, it's, well, worth yeah. It. Well, here's so the like, thing. It's I, like, we're, I think here, 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 here. Stop here. complaining. Here, 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 here. I think the, <laughs> I think the issue is though, is that for us, and for a lot of our listeners and people that have region free players and have buying uh, special editions, we're used to this because we've been right. buying expensive Blu-rays. But here's the thing is that all the titles pretty much that we've been purchasing and the movies that we've purchased aren't the most well-known titles out there. Right. Uh, people know they exist, but now we have one of the most uh, not one of the most popular, but we have an extremely popular um, uh, horror film that's being resurrected by a company that no one thought, Vestron Collector Series. It has all this shit, so it's on everybody's radar. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, when they were first released, they were, what, twenty twenty seven ninety nine. Well, it was like 40 bucks on Amazon pre-order. Well, yeah. Then it got went to twenty seven ninety nine. Then it went back to forty. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I think that kind of threw people off. Um, but yeah, I mean, forty dollars. So maybe I could, that's what everyone's been seeing. Like that price, fuck that. But, yeah, the twenty seven ninety nine. It's like uh, that's pretty normal. I don't see anything. You know. I know that Grindhouse Video is carrying them now. For a while, he. Mike didn't think he was going to be able to get them because he couldn't get a good price point because Lionsgate was selling them at a crazy price point through the distributor. He switched distributors and got a better one and was able to actually able to carry them now. Um, during that time, I would bought it because I didn't, he wasn't carrying them. I would bought them through uh, Diabolic DVD and they had them and um, they were shipping them. So there's, if, if you see a price, what I'm saying is like, if you see a price on Amazon that you're like, holy shit, that's crazy. Check out these other distributors like grindhousevideo.com, of course. But uh, if he's not carrying them, check out Diabolic, um, DVD.com and places like that because they know, they know the collector. Like they know, you know, who their, uh, who their customers are. And of course, none of us want to pay 40 bucks. So where Amazon is always the easiest thing to go to and you always feel like you're going to find the best price there. I would say always be checking these other sites because for stuff like this, they're going to make sure that it's reasonable and um, they're going to, they're like, they'll take a, they'll take a cut to make sure you can get what this. Cause I guarantee you, Mike still didn't get a good margin on it, but he's smart enough to know that this is something you guys want. And he's smart enough to know, like if he moves enough, like that's, that's ultimately good for him as a, as a store. So always be thinking about that. Before you start, before you go to online and start complaining about it, you know, uh, that's all. That's all I'm saying. And then if, you know, if 26 bucks is still too expensive, don't feed your kids for like a week and you'll be fine. Damn. <laughs> I'm kidding. Feed your children. 
Uh, but I'm just saying, there's always a way to buy something, buy what you want. It's called saving your money and budgeting, which I'm awful at, but I still somehow make it work. Well, I think the thing is, is that, you know, when they were first announced, because everything, when they're first announced as pre-orders, they tend to be a little more expensive. Yeah. Um, and then we, people wait for it to come down and then, it came down and it was like twenty seven ninety nine. Oh, I'll wait. And then everybody waited and it jacked up back to forty. Yeah. Um, honestly, I don't know. I think these things will come below twenty seven ninety nine. I think so. Eventually. I think so. Because they're gonna be sitting on it. Because here's the thing is that it's sold, but it's sold to collectors. Yeah. And it hasn't went to your normal Joe Schmo that doesn't want to spend twenty seven ninety nine on a Blu-ray. Yeah. So I think here probably around the end of the year, especially around Christmas, these mm-hmm. things will be priced at nineteen ninety nine. I guarantee you they're not gonna sell Chud two at twenty six bucks. Guarantee you that sucker is gonna drop down. Yeah, because they're like, gonna be sitting on a lot. <laughs> no one's gonna, gonna be snatching up Chud two, I'm sorry. Yeah, to think they're <laughs> probably price probably pressing maybe 3000 of these. Yeah. So they're going to be sitting on a lot of inventory. I think so. I, uh, it's great that they're doing this. But I think some of these movies I'm like, Oh, you know, um, yeah. I, Cause I, I did not like Chud too. Like I will not be buying that. But you know, another thing is, is uh, it was funny cause I see people complaining and then other people are like, well, it's all over the place. People are buying it. Yeah. Count them up. You probably have like a hundred. <laughs> like that's not a lot. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm surprised they're not. Not everybody's buying this. Yeah, I'm surprised they're not pushing them out into. Well, there's not many many freaking stores left, but um, Best Buy is getting awful. Anyway, uh, oh, one last thing. I'm gonna run through this real quick because I promised them I would do it, and I want to hear your thoughts on some of this. But um, I got uh, the the latest horror pack. So, uh, the Blu-ray. So I want to show you guys what uh, I think was, this was the September. You're probably already opened it, didn't you? Well, I did. Cause I didn't want to make a bunch of noise. Uh, see, I knew you were going to look at it. See, I did it blindly, <laughs> but you can't wait. Well, I didn't you're, know when we were going to be recording. So you're a little Blu-ray fiend. I was, you? well, I was going to do a YouTube thing, but I didn't. So, so th- this one, um, four Blu-rays and reanimators in there. Um, the image disc, which is a pretty good disc. So no, I already, not. I've already bought, it's not. No. Okay. Well, whatever. But, uh, there's reanimator on here, in here, which I, I've bought reanimator so many times. Um, and then there's, uh, Saw 5 Blu ray. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> but then there's two that I haven't seen. Um, this one looks like it could be awful, but it's called Scar 3D. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> uh, I may watch this with some alcohol at some point. Uh, at least they're cool. They're putting movies in there. A lot of people haven't seen because I don't think that's really uh, sought after all yeah. that much. The cover's pretty great, though. I guess I, I, you know, I wanted to check this out. The, the cover made me at least Google it when I first saw this. And then uh, there's a Jeffrey Combs flick called Motivational Growth. Uh, about a guy who that's not that bad talks to a growth in his bathroom yeah. yeah it's it's actually it's actually okay all right well this one i'm actually i've 
I'd heard about it and never had a chance to grab it. And, and so this being in there is, is pretty great. Again, like, like I've said with, with, uh, Horror Pack, like, I already own way too goddamn many movies. So for me, it's hard to kind of get into this because I'm, I, I'm almost like I need to stop buying movies rather than I need to get more movies, movies. But if you're a, uh, if you're a, someone just jumping into collecting either horror movies on Blu-rays or just jumping into horror, um, like if you're like me, like I was, uh, gosh, 15 years ago, just starting to buy up a bunch of as much horror as I can find, like this is a, this is a, this will save you money and this will at least get you a jump start on your, on your collection. So I haven't like, I like the idea, but I haven't been blown away yet, but I think it's more my problem because I own too many movies. So, um, what do you, what do you think? What do you think about this, these four movies? Like if, if you were a new collector or something, like, would you I think, I think it's a good place to start. I think if anybody is like a hardcore collector, it's probably not worth it. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, but I don't know. Okay, I don't, cons- I, I don't consider myself a hardcore collector, even though we, you know, talk a lot on the show. I don't like, I just want the movies that I like. Yeah. You know, a yeah. lot of people are, uh, qual, uh, quantity over quality. So, um, you know, they're like, Oh, I bought like, th- look what I got, for, you know, for, you know, three ninety nine at the, you know, bin at fucking Walmart. <laughs> And it's like, wow, you got like 10 shitty movies. Like, yeah. that's really great. Look, I used to be like that. So I get it. I, I get when you're in the collecting yeah. bug, like, you kind of are almost frothing at the mouth just trying to find good deals and trying to build your collection. So, uh, yeah, I think this is okay for that. Um, but I, I mean, I don't think, I think it's a great service. I really do. Yeah. Like, I, I, and plus the, the element of surprise, it's just that I think hardcore collectors will probably get, you know, a lot of dupes. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, I, we'll, we'll, we'll keep on doing this. I'll, I'll keep, you know, we'll, we're, it's a, it's a great idea and it's a great service. If it's something that you want to try, I believe you can go through the link on our site and get a discount. Uh, go to the screamcast.com, click on sponsors and we'll have a link to them right there. So, so check them out. And, um, like I said, but if you're a hardcore collector, if you already have a, a bunch of movies, if you have a a problem like I do, uh, it, it may be a little lackluster, so just know that going in. But if it's something you want to try out, give it a shot. And um, it's definitely like I feel like they're getting better with their selections. And uh, you know, but but I'm I'm like you. I I know what I want. I go out and buy it. I pre-order a bunch of shit throughout the year. I know what I'm getting. Um, I'm selling stuff, buying stuff left and right. So trying to make it all work and. Um, so having a surprise thing come in for me just doesn't work like for my, the way I buy movies right now. So, but I'm, you know, I'm excited. I'm going to watch those two movies, uh, scar and, uh, motivational growth and I'll report back. I hope you report back. I totally will. All right. That's it for me, man. We will get to Brad's fantastic fest roundup in just a few minutes. But first Josh Obershaw joins us with the news. Josh, what's up, man? How's it going, Sean? Good, man. It's been a while. It's been way. It's been way too long. I've missed your voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hopefully, other people out there miss my voice too. And by the way, happy October, everyone! Yes. It's finally here. And uh, well, 
like you said, it's been a while, so there's a lot of ground to cover, so let's get to it. And I want to start with some movie news. And it looks like Saw Legacy is happening. It's been rumored for a long time. Lionsgate has been trying to get it off the ground. And it looks like it is going to be happening. Uh, but we, it, according to Bloody Disgusting, it's in production. But we still don't know who's going to be in the cast. We do know who's going to be writing it. Uh, it's the guys behind Piranha 3D and Piranha 3DD and Sorority Row. Uh, the two brothers directing it, they're responsible for Undead. And uh, it looks like there's already a tentative release date. IMDb has the release date for October 27th, 2017. Uh, it's not confirmed yet. And there's also supposedly some quote-unquote set photos floating around, but those haven't been confirmed either. But it looks like we're getting closer and closer to officially Saw Legacy being announced as coming soon. And some more movie news. You know that Suspiria remake that people have been uh, trying to get off the ground since, what, 2007, 2008? I was hoping they'd given up on it. I, I was hoping on that, too, but it <laughs> looks like it is going forward because they just added uh, Chloe Grace Moretz to the cast. Now, she's obviously no stranger to, to remake. She was in Let Me In and, of course, Carrie. And uh, apparently, let's see, it's been, yeah, it's been in development. Producer Luca... Juan Giano, uh, who directed Swinton and, and uh, Tilda Swinton and Dakota Johnson are, are apparently also in the cast, too, which I knew nothing about. But they're going to be in it as well. And there's no release date or anything like that. Uh, David Konjanic is penning the script. Uh, yeah, people are still trying to get Suspiria made. Now we're moving on to home video news. And we've got the extras for the upcoming Exorcist 3 Collector's Edition from Scream Factory. This is coming out later this month. And, of course, Disc 1 is going to be the theatrical cut. There's going to be a new 2K scan of the inner positive. And Disc 2 is going to be Legion, the original director's cut, which comes in at about 105 minutes. New bonus features include audio interview with writer-director William Peter Blatty. A Wonderful Time interviews with producer Carter DeHaven, actors Clifford David and Tracy Thorne, and production assistant Karen Reddy. Signs of the Gemini. This is an interview with Brad Dorff. The Devil's in the Details. Interview with production designer Leslie Dilley, assistant designer Darren Dockerman, and illustrator Simon Merton. Music for a Padded Cell. This is an interview with composer Barry De... Wait. Divorcen. Sorry. <laughs> And all new and all this bleeding, which is a look at the reshoot and the makeup with production manager Ronald Colby, editor Todd Ramsey, effects artist William Forshe, Mike Smithson, Brian Wade, and actor and body double Charles Powell. So this is going to be a really packed two-disc um, collector's edition. I know a lot of people have uh, been wanting to see this original vision uh, Bloody had for this movie. Because it is a really, really good movie. And also coming from Screen Factory is Don Coscarelli's Bubba Hotep, which is coming out November 8th. We have new bonus features to tell you about. We have an audio commentary with author Joe R. Lansdale. All is well, an interview with Coscarelli. The King Lives, an interview with star Bruce Campbell. Mummies of Makeup, an interview with special effects artist Robert Kurtzman. 
and a whole lot of the uh, archival features that were featured on the um, on the DVD. So that's Bubba Hotep, and that's pretty much all the news from Shell Factory. And uh, moving on to Vestron Video. Oh, baby. Shopping Mall <laughs> and uh, Blood Diner are out right now. I hope you guys are enjoying it, you lucky bastards. But there's more coming. So we got bonus features for the upcoming uh, Return of the Living Dead 3. It's going to be the unrated version. Yes. Uh, what else? Restored or remastered, packed with special features, including an audio commentary with director Brian Usna, audio commentary with actress Melinda Clark, and special makeup effects artist Tom Renone, a conversation with director Brian Usna and screenwriter John Penny, interview with special effects artist Steve Johnson, interview with producer David Trippett, still gallery, and theatrical trailers. And this one comes out on... Uh, November 22nd. This is the one I'm really excited for. Oh, me too. I mean, I'm kind of looking forward to the waxwork movies, but um, not really excited about Chud 2. That's my personal take. But this one, man, <laughs> so pumped. Brian Usna for life. Agreed. <laughs> I actually like uh, Return of the Living Dead 3 more, more than I do Return of the Living Dead 2. I mean, nothing wrong with the Return of the Living Dead 2. I mean, it's good, but it's no Return of the Living Dead 3. This one just has, like, so it's more of, like, I don't know. Maybe it's just because, like, she's all of a sudden getting all pierced up and everything. But there's that little, like, it's like a punk rock zombie. You know what I mean? So I, feel, I feel like it, I, I don't know, where she's, like, doing, like, body modification on herself. That's <laughs> you know, just so odd. I actually haven't seen the second one for some reason. I need to remedy oh, that. Well, um... It's funny that you mentioned the punk rock aspect about number three because that was a huge component of number one that yeah. was mysteriously missing in number two. So <laughs> it was so I kind of feel like three is kind of a return to form, but also just the crazy effects that they came up with for that one um, adds yeah. a little something to it. Yeah, but uh, story. Just in case, oh yeah, totally. It's another thing that elevates the movie. And okay, for those of you who are excited for uh, Chud Two, but the Chud, that one is also coming. Out. Sorry, did I ruin it? I apologize, everybody. No, Brad and I covered nah. this uh, a while back, so we, we've talked. We've talked about the film and my feelings for it. So, right, but it's all good. But for those of you that you know are interested in uh, getting this one, the completists, if you will, there's going to be an audio commentary with director David Irving. Interview with actor Garrett Graham. That's cool. Interview with actress Trisha Lee Fisher. Interview with special effects artist Alan Apone. Still gallery and video trailer. So that's Chud 2. Bud the Chud. Next up, from Grindhouse Releasing, they just announced the next uh, deluxe Blu-ray they're putting out. And it is the 1971 Hippies with Rabies movie, I Drink Your Blood. It's going to be a deluxe two-disc Blu-ray set that uh, is not only going to feature I Drink Your Blood, but also I Eat Your Skin, the 1964 movie that was uh, double-featured with I Drink Your Blood in theaters at one point. And it's also going to include uh, <coughs> the director's long-unseen X-rated psychedelic movie, Blue Sextet. <coughs> wow. Excuse me, which he did in, which he did in 1969. Now this is going to be now this deluxe set is limited to three thousand copies. So if you wanted to get all of this stuff, 
in one package, I suggest you pick this up because this because first of all, I drink your blood is freaking bonkers of a movie. And also, uh, with those 3,000 copies, you get a I Drink Your Blood Horror Hypo, an actual syringe that fans can use to inject their friends with rabies. <laughs> and if you want to pre-order your copy, uh, it's going to be uh, available exclusively through Diabolic DVD. So that's where you need to go to get your copy of I drink your blood. And that's I think that's one with all the extra stuff cuz I know that grindhousevideo.com is going to be going to be selling it. Um and I, and I this has happened in the past with the Diabolic DVD getting like an exclusive. It seems that they kind of have first uh dibs on on these and then the other other companies can get those uh too. So they have kind of first dibs for pre-orders cuz the last couple uh Grindhouse uh releasing even with the extra stuff uh, Mike was able to get, you know, like for, um, he's able to get that puzzle, you know, the, the, for, um, for pieces. Right. So he, I think he may still be, be able to get those too. So, but if you want to lock in your pre-order right now, I think you do it through Diabolic DVD, but, um, he did confirm he's going to be getting some. So I'm not sure if he's getting the extra stuff, like that little syringe thing, but, you know, keep your eye on that if you want to keep supporting, uh, grindhousevideo.com. But uh, hey, Diabolic DVD is good too, so I I I I do order from them from time to time. <laughs> yeah, pick up uh, your pre-orders, and the movie uh, has a street date of November eighth. Sweet. Now we're moving right along to Severin. Severin has Burial Ground coming out. This yes. is something we uh, announced announced uh, quite a while ago. But uh, they're doing something a little uh, special with Burial Ground. They are offering what they call the Knights of Terror Bundle. <laughs> so in addition to the movie, you're also getting a T-shirt, a shot glass. What else? <sighs> Is there a, oh, an, oh an, yeah, an enamel pin. Yeah, there's a pin, and you also get a 12 by 18 poster of the uh, the new art that's going to be on the um, the outer sleeve. I mean, the, uh, the reversible on the case okay. is there with two different versions of the poster art, but the outer arts, the, the oh, cardboard sweet. sleeve, is going to have whole brand new art, and you get a 12 by 18 poster of that. See, now that's cool. Like, I if. Uh... If like Scream Factory did that, you know, because they, they give the extra slipcover along with the normal slipcover, and then they have the reversible. Yeah. If uh, Shop or Scream Factory did that, like then I'd probably jump in on those because it's all it's all there, you know. You got the, but I, I like that the because I you know I'm, I I think I've talked about this, but uh, I don't really dig slipcases all that much unless it offers something yeah. totally different. And the fact that this exclusive art is on the slipcover. That's kind of cool. Not gonna lie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and the art is really if good. You can get too. a poster of it too. It oh, is yeah. really good art. It 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 really captures just how weird that movie is. I mean, it's subtle, but you can see it. it I mean, if you guys have seen Burial Ground, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I am so looking forward to this one. I hear it looks really good, so uh, I'm excited to see because I have the old um, the old Blu-ray that looks totally crappy. 
So, yeah, this is a new two K scan with a full shot by shot color correction. Yeah, and you've got English and Italian language audio tracks. Uh, the Legacy of Terror, which is a feature at on the uh, the the house location. Also get uh, Peter Still Lives. This is a festival Q&A with actor Peter Bark. Just for the Money interview with actor Simone Mattioli. The Smell of Death interviews with producer Gabriella Cristanti and actress Mariangela Giordano. Plus you also get deleted, extended scenes and shots and a theatrical trailer. This is also limited to 3000 by the way. Fans are kind of speculating that uh, they may be also putting out Blood on Satan's Claw. Now, we know that this is available on Blu-ray overseas, but um, yeah, they uh, posted a photo on their Facebook page of actress Linda Hayden from the set of the movie Blood on Satan's Claw, and everyone's going, are they putting the movie out? I mean, I was certainly one of those, but I'm just taking it with a grain of salt right now. Who knows? But just letting everybody know that. And what else is there? I guess that's all the news I have for this week. (laughs) Nice. A lot of good stuff, man. Yeah, hopefully we'll do more of these uh, throughout the month of October because it's the most wonderful time (laughs) of the year. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, oh man, October, this is the time of year where like there's just too much coming out. I'm a bit, I get a little overwhelmed with the releases and, and announcements. So, uh, it's, it's, it's a fun time to be a horror fan for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. All right, Josh, thank you very much, man. We will talk to you next week. All right, we'll see you then. Let's jump into some Fantastic Fest madness. Okay. <laughs> so what's up? What's up, man? Uh, I don't know if we have time to run through all 32 films, but maybe give your best and uh, like best and worst of the fest. I know you don't like doing worst, but there's got to there's be some movies do that, worst. that, you, that you're like. Uh, Sorry. You don't. Okay. No. All right. Um, well, I'm going to break down Fantastic Fest, so you're going to have to hold your horses. Break it down, man. Break it down. All right. So Fantastic Fest, this is my seventh year going. Um, I mean, if anybody's never been, I- I'm sure that it's on your radar if you're a genre fan. It's it's a must um, for sure. It gets crazier and crazier every single year. Um, you know, from the first year that I went, which was Fantastic Fest, like fourth or fifth year, um, being around, I think it was maybe their fourth. Um, it was fun. Um, but it was mainly just watching movies and a couple things here or there. Um, and then one year, you know, there was like, you'd skip by like five years and they were jumping off the roof on fire and blowing up cars <laughs> in a parking lot. Do they make you sign um, a waiver when you sign up? <laughs> <laughs> so like, no, I'm, that's not an exaggeration. They, yeah, doing, no, like, I saw stunt, videos last year. Yeah. Stunt stuff like that. So, um, this year, uh, they just had a lot more, uh, like parties and, and, and things going on. It was, it was, uh, it was, a it was a lot of fun this year. Every year they kind of have a, a theme, um, you know, from a country, 
uh, like last year was Turkish. So they played a bunch of Turkish ripoff movies. Um, you know, one year they did, uh, kind of like, a house of psychotic women type things. So they had a bunch of like the very popular, like psychotic women films that play. Um, so, uh, you know, one year they had stuff from Norway. Um, so they always do that. This year was an Indian theme, kind of a Bollywood, uh, you know, theme going on. Um, which I am not the biggest Bollywood fan, um, just because I'm not a big singing and dancing person. So when the films have singing and dancing breakdowns, they kind of lose me. And plus these movies are three to four hours long. Holy shit. Um, so I'm not too keen on that. I can't sit in the fucking theater for three hours to begin with, not even for a good movie. You're not saying the Bollywood movies are bad because they obviously went over really well. Josh Ricardo did the programming. Um, and from what I can tell, he did a fabulous job from the responses that, uh, people, um, they, you know, just the, on Twitter, just the, the response that he received, which was, I think, overwhelming, uh, and, and, and very positive. I saw one Indian film, but it wasn't a Bollywood film, which I'll get to eventually. Um, so they had an opening night party, which consisted of kind of the, um, you know, celebrate India in, in general, um, you know, having, they had dancers, uh, you know, a few musicians, um, they had fire breathers, which was uh, pretty crazy. I attended a tiny bit of it because I'm there for the movies, man. Um, so a lot of the events I, usually go to for a little bit and then I'm like, ah, I'm here to watch movies. So, and that's what I do because the party's always afterwards too. Um, but you also need to prep yourself. So if you think you're going to go to fantastic fest for the first time and attend everything, you are going to fucking die after 48 hours. <laughs> it's, it's not possible. You have to, um, you really, really have to pace yourself. Even people that would probably be doing Coke, couldn't actually handle fantastic fest and donald trump wouldn't last no he wouldn't last (laughs) (laughs) um so um hold on let me turn down my microphone i think it's faulty Ooh. um political joke (laughs) so yeah you you just have to learn um to pace yourself uh because you don't want to get sick because you know running on you know three four hours of sleep every night which that's usually how it is um, you know, going to parties, being with people like side, you know, shoulder to shoulder half the time, germs and sickness can spread very quickly. Um, so a lot of people end up sick after the fest, um, because your immune system, you know, it's, 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 it's at a low, you know, your body isn't, you know, ready to fight off any viruses because you're so goddamn tired and your body wants to sleep. And so do you. So, you know, tips is to pace yourself. Don't overdo it. If you're going to overdo it, overdo it the first night and the second night or the last night. Um, you know, because those are kind of the two biggest parties. Um, after movies, go home. Maybe even skip a midnighter. I know I don't want to skip movies, but hey, every once in a while, if you're like nodding off like around 10 o'clock and you'll move your fourth movie by the fifth movie, Go home, <laughs> you know, and if you're not off in the theater, fucking get up and go because you already missed part of the movie. So there's no need to sit there. Get your sleep and drink a fuck ton of water. Um, 
so you're able to actually enjoy yourself. Because I remember the very first year that I went to the full effect um, when I went, because the first two years I didn't stay the entire time. I did like three or four days. Um, but my third year I did a full day or a full, full week, dude, I was falling asleep pretty much every midnight movie. I was fucking dead tired. I just didn't know how to pace myself. So even if you're like, Oh, I watch movies until 3am. I'm fine. I, so do I, it doesn't work the same sitting in a theater and, you know, waiting in the hot sun and waiting for movies to play and, you know, potentially maybe getting sick. It can really, really do a number on you. So anyways, um, that was the opening night party. They had um, other events. They had, uh, you know, uh, Doug Benson always shows up. He does uh, a, a movie interruption. This year they did uh, Monster Squad. Um, basically, the movie plays at a low volume in the dark theater. Doug Benson has a microphone and he interrupts the movie. Um, and just talks and tells jokes. I've actually never attended a it Doug Benson awful. thing. I, it's just not my thing. It's very popular. Uh, a cool thing about this one is that uh, Andre Gower, he's a big Fantastic Fest guy. He comes all the time. He's uh, um, the lead in Monster Squad. Um, he, I think he lives in Austin, but he shows up every year to watch movies with everybody. Um, and actually, he was there. And word was is that he was a lot funnier than Doug Benson. <laughs> Doug, well, Doug Benson to me is not funny, man. I, well, here's the thing: the uh, Fantastic Fest uh, uh, plague of sleeping got a hold of Doug Benson. Oh, man. Apparently, during the screening, and Doug Benson fell asleep for about an hour of the movie because <laughs> <laughs> everybody was like, "Man, why is Doug so quiet?" <laughs> so apparently, he fell asleep, which I thought was pretty funny. That's hilarious. Um, other events every year, they have the fantastic debates. Uh, this is something I have attended in the past. Um, I didn't get around to attending this one because it was playing against, uh, a movie that I really wanted to see. I can't remember the title. Um, I, here, let me look real quick. I needed to really see, um, I think it was, uh, a dark song I really wanted to see because my friend's short film was playing, uh, before it. Um, so I didn't get uh, to attend this. Um, it's been everywhere between Keanu Reeves has been in the debates. This is uh, a, a section, if you haven't been, is that two people um, get in a boxing ring and they're at a podium and they have a topic and they uh, debate it and then they fight. Um, so in the past, I mean, Michelle Rodriguez has beat the shit out of Tim League, the owner of the draft house. Keanu Reeves has been in the ring. Elijah Wood. Um, a lot of people um, have been been in the ring fighting. I think the best one was uh, Tim League uh, wanted to fight the bit torrent guy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, sometimes it can get a little serious. Like one year, uh, my favorite year was um, when Joe Swanberg uh, was fighting uh, Devin Faraci. And it became Mumblecore versus Grumblecore because, <laughs> you know, Devin Faraci, I guess, was not a fan of Mumblecore movies. So Joe Swanberg um, wanted to fight him, um, which it was a more heated fight. Like some people take, you know, get really serious. Um, and dude, he fucking leveled Devin Faraci. And you might think, oh, Joe Swanberg, a nice guy. Dude, Joe Swanberg is fucking huge. He's not a small dude. Wow. Like 
when he took off his shirt and got his gloves on, I was like, why is Joe Swanberg so big? Like, unless he was fucking pump or iron before the movie or before the fest. So this year was, uh, some, some fun, um, topics. Uh, Josh Ethier, who played, um, the alien and almost human and who is, uh, an editor, uh, in, um, the film world, a very good editor, I might add, uh, fought Jeremy Gardner, the, um, actor, uh, that's and director of the battery and Tex Montana. Um, basically they, uh, fought over tremors is the best movie since tremors, <laughs> uh, or the best monster movie since tremors. Sorry. Um, and if anybody has seen Joss Ethier, he's not a dude to be fucked with. Hell no, man. So, um, and then next up was, uh, Josh Lobo and Jared Murray. Um, it was Zack Snyder is the most wrongly maligned cinematic visionary of the 21st century. Um, and then round three was the ladies that fought, uh, Brie Esrig and Whitney Moore. Um, superhero movies are just destroying the film industry. Um, and the final round, which was a very, 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 very fun, uh, fight I've heard. Um, is that they had a special guest that was going to referee the fight. Um, it was Greg McLennan and versus Michael Winchester. Greg McLennan's a programmer at the draft house. Uh, he is responsible for pretty much all the action, uh, ones that go around. He, he is the main proponent of bringing caged to life, uh, where they do Nicholas cage marathons. They're going to nice. be doing caged four soon. Oh man. Um, Michael Winchester is uh, the uh, basically the manager of the draft house. He makes everything uh, perfect. A uh, really nice guy. Also, I believe he is a black belt, um, has in like Taekwondo or something. So their uh, fight was Greg McLennan said Rocky Four is the single greatest boxing movie of all time. Well, Dolph Lundgren showed up to referee the fight, and um, that was history. Wow. Um, so yeah, Dolph Lundgren was already there for a premiere of his movie, Don't Kill It. Um, so it was nice for him to show up and kind of referee the fight. So that was pretty much um, that section of uh, the debates. Um, they actually brought it back uh, for um, – on Saturday, they had uh, a band, Itch.io, that came back. Itch.io was there last year. Yeah. Um, I think I misspoke last year when I said there's probably like 18 members of Itch.io. I was wrong and I apologize. There's actually 32. Holy um, God. Cause I said, I was talking to somebody. I was like, yeah, there's like 18 members. And they're like, no, man, there's 32 members. And I was like, That's even more. All right. Cool. So I'm a liar. I apologize. Um, well, at 32, man, I think it's, it's, it's I don't many, know. It's hard to like, lose. It's hard to freaking count them all. Yeah, I, I just I, – it's hard for me to believe there's even 32, but that's what I was told. <laughs> um, I tried counting, and you lose count. So Ichio is a very interactive drum line that uh, portrays themselves as kind of being uh, com- controlled by, like, a dark lord. Um, they all wear masks, uh, black, like um, – what do you call it? Bl- balaclavas things, uh, like, you know. Baklava. Ter- Wait, that's a uh- – that's, that's a, a treat. That's a that's a treat. Uh, I don't know how you say it. ski mask. We'll just say ski mask. Burkas. No, not the same. I, actually, the ladies I think wear burkas because there's girls in the band too that dance. Um, so just ski masks. 
Yeah. And anyways, they Their faces um, are covered. Let's just say that. Yeah. I mean, they have a drummer. They have quite a few drummers. They have uh, basically kind of the drum line set up with the drums in front of them, you know, uh, where they, you know, put it over their shoulders, like in high school. Um, and then they have big drummers on stage. They have guitarists, bass player. They have people that just walk around and dance. They have people that are in a dragon outfit. They have a bunch of ladies that are roaming around everywhere. They have a guy on a tricycle with speakers that's, you know, projecting the sound. They have people walking around with these huge amplifiers on their back um, that is projecting a sound that will dance with you and just stare at you and mess with you. Um, at one point, um, one of the characters came up to me and he was dancing and then he decided to crawl up my body and I was holding him in the air while he was dancing. Um, wow. But it is insane. Like if you're probably on drugs, this is amplified tenfold by the experience because it feels like a crazy rave. It feels like that sequence in Matrix 2. When they're in Zion and they're partying, <laughs> but like amplified by like 10. Um, but a great, great experience. Ichio is fantastic. Uh, I love the atmosphere that they do. Um, I love just just what they do in general. They have people – like they also have people with like strobe lights just walking around. They have people with uh, – basically they had like this foam gun that would shoot like a mist of foam in the air. Uh, it's insane. But you uh, won't can't have a drink next to them because they charge through the crowd and run and and this is like shoulder to shoulder too like it's in, it was in more insane than last year because people missed out and they were like oh shit what's this all about um, so pr- pretty pretty crazy um, next up they I didn't go to this uh, they had uh, Moulton at the movies so uh, Leonard Moulton came by and. Um, <laughs> wanted to talk to Tim Burton because Tim Burton had a, a, a premiere at um, Fantastic Fest, the Miss Pentagreen and the House of Peculiar Children or something. Um, everybody's like, oh, Tim Burton. I'm like that too. I'm like, uh, whatever. Um, but Tim Burton is this uh, alumni. He's uh, been there. Uh, he was kind of the start, near the start of Fantastic Fest. Um, even before I was there, Tim Burton was there. So he's got more cred than I do. Um <laughs> He's actually premiered a few movies there. So props to Tim Burton for making that happen and, and being part of Fantastic Fest and not being super pretentious about it. Um, I still not a fan of his movies. Um, then they had uh, Puke and Explode, which was uh, one that I was asked to do. But I, of course, got into, uh, you know, wanting to see movies. And plus, I wasn't sure if I wanted to get sick or not. Hmm. So they had a uh, eating contest, not how much you could eat. They just had eight servings of peculiar dishes. Um, they weren't making you like eat glass or some crazy shit like that. But, you know, like they had donuts filled with like Miracle Whip and stuff like that. So you had to eat and not throw up. Wow. And if you didn't want to eat it, then you were disqualified. Um, so that was, that was fun. They had a, a karaoke party. Um, of course they always have uh, karaoke. They usually have like uh karaoke apocalypse, which they, you could sign up for. And then you sing with a real band, um, which is headed by, uh, Allison Murphy, beautiful soul who, uh, does, um, um, does a great job of, uh, doing, doing that. Um, then they had Leonard Moulton went back with Bruce Campbell because Bruce Campbell was there to premiere the first two episodes of Ash vs. Evil Dead. 
Um, nerd rap, which is a very common thing where a bunch of people just get up there and rap that are nerds. Um, the Fantastic Feud, which is a huge, huge thing. Um, basically, it is um, uh, one of the highlights of Fantastic Fest. Uh, Scott Weinberg hosts uh, the feud where um, usually they have like men versus women. They have U.S. versus, you know, U.K., Europe, stuff like that. Um, and basically it's just a bunch of crazy fucking questions that, uh, Max puts together, um, that only Max would think about. So thank you, Max, for always, he's, he does a, a great, a great job of doing questions like how many times do they say Carol Ann in all three Poltergeist films? The answer is like over 300. Um, <laughs> so, uh, he has people that help put that together. Um, but um, definitely an experience uh, to be seen. I, I, I went to a few feuds. I actually didn't make it this year, um, but um, I did watch the live stream uh, of it. And I think you can on the Fantastic Fest website um, or YouTube or something or Facebook. Um, and then they had a, a Star Wars drinking competition, which I didn't go to, but I heard was really, really, really fun. Um, everything is terrible showed up. Uh, they did, uh, kind of a screening. Uh, if anybody is unsure of what everything is terrible. Uh, it is, I forget the guy that does it. His name's, is his name Anton something? Well, anyways, he puts together basically of the weirdest clips of, from VHS instructional videos to movies to everything is terrible and, um, just kind of does that. Um, they did uh, 100 Best Kills, which is a traditional uh, thing that they do at midnight. They show um, uh, they have a kind of a theme that goes with it, like you know, head exploding or something like this. This one was worst births and deaths, I think. Um, but anyway, Zach Garlson and uh, Laird uh, put it together. They just have literally a hundred uh, clips of the best kills. Um, and they, they talk in between them, but they usually find the weirdest, craziest shit out there. Um, and then Closing Night Party, which was a little of a bummer this year. Um, last year they had it at a ghost town. They try to uh, theme it with the film. Uh, that is the closing night film. Like uh, last year they did Ghost Town because Bone Tomahawk was the closing. So it was kind of a Western uh, you know, uh, town that they uh, rented out. It was kind of – it's a movie set. Uh, they film movies out there. It was uh, very westerny looking. Um, one year they did uh, kind of a prison theme because Red Dawn, the remake, uh, closed the film <laughs> or festival. Not a very good movie, but uh, a fun party. Um, and this year was Colossal, Nacho Vigalondo's new film. So they wanted to have something major. Well, I don't know, man. It, it was took place at a entertainment center. Which was a um, kind of had a skating rink, a movie theater, an arcade. Uh, they had a tattoo parlor. Um, they had a big floor for dancing. They had a bowling alley. It sounds huge, but it made me feel like I was in eighth grade because it was like in a really, really rundown complex. Uh, half the arcade systems didn't work. Just transfer yourself back to like 90, 1995. <laughs> Or maybe if you're if you're older, transfer yourself back to 1987, and that's where we were. In some kind of weird, uh, my friend Brian, he said, kind of a weird Dave Lynchian uh, film. 
So anyways, uh, not the best thing. Um, but anyways, that was kind of the big, uh, parties and, uh, events that took place. Um, dark corner actually showed up dark corner VR. They had, uh, catatonic mule and burlap, uh, three VRs that you could do. Um, catatonic, you were in, you, they strapped you in a wheelchair, um, mule, they put you in a coffin and burlap. Uh, well, they actually didn't do anything in burlap. He just sat there, but of course it has to deal with the burlap sack. <laughs> um, I didn't do any of the VR stuff just because movies, um, which was, uh, I, I heard they were okay. I had a lot of friends do them. I, I just, I just have no interest in sitting there watching something. I want to play something, you know? Um, so when VR is playable, uh, and you get to shoot shit, let me know. Um, they had another event that was very upsetting, but it was canceled. Uh, was RZA was going to come by and do a live performance during the 36 Chambers. Whoa. And um, he was going to play during uh, the screening of the film. That unfortunately did not happen, and people were very pissed off. Um However, it was kind of shady because they, he had two events in Austin, uh, pretty much back to back. Um, they canceled the free one and they kept the other one that cost $36 to get into. So it was kind of, kind of shisty. It sounded a little fucked up. I was not happy about it cause I was planning on it. Um, Oh, and the other one, um, I couldn't go to this either, uh, mainly because it was sold out. But Fabio Frizzi, the you know composer of Beyond, was there. Um, he it was off site. He did a performance of uh, a live the director or the artist or the composer's cut of uh, the Beyond at a church. Wow. Um, I actually didn't know a lot of people that went, but um, apparently it was sold out. Couldn't get tickets. Uh, I missed out. I probably would have went to that. Um, so anyways, those are the kind of the bigger events that happened. Um, and now I am going to go through, uh, some of the 32 movies that I've seen, um, at, um, at, uh, the festival. So if you do the festival, right, you can hit about five movies a day. If you're <laughs> press, if you do it right, you can do six because you can see one at eight o'clock in the morning. But you have to think that if you watch a midnight movie and don't get home till about two thirty, three o'clock, and then you fall asleep finally, probably around three thirty, and then you get up at seven thirty to make it to the draft house by eight, that doesn't give you a lot of time to sleep. So I don't really push the um, press screenings unless it's something I really, really want to see or won't get to see. This year I was able to fit in everything but one film. Um, What is happening? Hmm. Whoa. I was adjusting my seat. Wow. Why did it make a crazy noise? Yeah, you're like, ow, dude, you're hurting my ears by talking. Like, it's like you're talking into a megaphone. Oh, is that better? Say something again. Hello, hello. Oh, man, it's so loud. Really? Yeah. It's like you're literally, it sounds like a megaphone. Should we try to reconnect? What is it? just, can you listen to yourself? Like stop it and hit record again and just like, listen to see what you sound like. The recording sounds fine. Okay. May I'll just turn down test, my stuff. Test one, two. Hello. Hello. 
I'll just turn down mine. That's right. got loud on you for some reason? Yeah, it like got really, really loud. It was crazy. <clears throat> All right. I apologize. So, no, it's fine. Um, so we will do the films now. So, all right. So let me know when you're ready. I'm ready. Uh, so if you do Fantastic Fest right, you can hit about five movies a day, uh, usually four movies on opening day, four movies in closing night. Um, if you are press, you can hit about six movies a day, but that's pushing it because that limits you to about four hours of sleep because press screenings start around eight o'clock. Um, so I usually don't do that unless it's something I really, really want to see. Um, but this year I was able to hit everything that I wanted to aside from one film, uh, which I wasn't that upset about because that will obviously be released wide. Um, there you go. So, um, first up I had, um, Arrival, which was the new, uh, Dennis Villeneuve film. Is it Villeneuve? Villeneuve. I can never say his last name. You're asking, Anyways, you're asking me villain view. <laughs> he's the director of enemy prisoners, uh, Sicario. Good director. This is a fabulous director. This is his new film about aliens that land on earth. Um, so I was going in thinking, yeah, it's opening night film. No big deal. Um, and walked out crying. So <laughs> that was fun. Um, everybody, Pretty much, there is not a dry eye in that fucking theater. It's weird hearing people say that ab- about this film, um, because you know they're going to market it as as some weird sci-fi, but it, apparently there's a big emotional core to the film. Jesus Christ! Fantastic. Um, probably going to be up there with my number one or two of the year. I mean, this film. Blew me away. I knew people that wanted to go see it again just so they could weep. You're <laughs> crying in the first five minutes. Oh, You're man. crying uh, throughout the film. Um, the last last 20 minutes for me were absolutely fucking devastating. Um, I mean, I just like I, I would like cry and then I would stop and then I would be like, oh, Jesus Christ and cry some more. Um, but everybody was like that pretty much. Um Jesus Christ, dude. It's, it's a beautiful film. It's haunting. It's scary. It's, uh, heartbreaking. It has everything. Wow. It has everything. Um, uh, so anyway, the premise of a film is a, uh, alien ships, uh, center themselves over certain parts of the world, very much like Independence Day. Um, uh, this, uh, Amy Adams is, uh, needed because she is a language expert. So they need someone to try to communicate uh, with aliens. Um, they're able to go inside of the craft that's hovering and there they discover uh, aliens and they try to uh, speak with them and finding out what they want, why they're there and all that stuff. But they have to have building blocks because obviously the aliens don't speak English. So they have to figure out kind of the language barrier and how to communicate with them. Hmm. Um, and gee, oh boy. So anyways, uh, before I start getting a little teary eyed, I will move on. Okay. Um, I am intrigued. Uh, yeah, dude, it's unbelievable. Okay. Um, next up was, uh, the handmaiden, which was very much a film that people were very excited to see. Uh, and, um, one of those films that, uh, uh, I think it was most anticipated. It's directed by uh, Chan Wook Park, 
who directed Old Boy, Sympathy for Mr. Mr. Vengeance, uh, um, Lady Vengeance, um, all that stuff. Um, also, uh, Good, Bad, and the Weird, which is one of the best westerns ever made. So it's uh, set in the 30s, I think, and it is about a um, a maid who is very good at stealing, who is hired to uh, take on a wealthy um, family to be the handmaiden and uh, is kind of a setup um, for her to kind of be using her skills. Um, and it gets a little sexy, very sexy hey. movie, very sexy movie. Um, first time I ever got to see some hardcore scissoring. Huh. Um, <laughs> so, uh, a very, very sexy movie. Um, extremely well done. Uh, actually, uh, uh, Chen, Chen Park actually got to be there. Um, had a Q and a, um, apparently he doesn't speak English. Um, if, if he does, it's not very great. He had a translator, which was, it worked so smoothly, um, during his Q and a, I was really impressed with the translator was fantastic. Um, the, he was able to deliver the lines as like Chan Wu Park would say them like as in like he would say really funny things and, you know, having somebody translate that, mm-hmm. and, you know, wouldn't be the same, but he was able to emphasize, you know, and put emphasis on certain words and make pauses and breaks and stuff and was fantastic. So uh, whoever that was props to you, even That's though you're cool. not listening to the show. Cause he's done an English film Stoker, right? Yeah, he did Stoker. Yeah. And but this is um, only English uh, language film, I believe. Right. Right. But yeah, really, really bizarre that, um, I mean, he does, but I guess it's extremely broken, you well, know? Yeah. He probably has his translator on, on set with him. So, um, did a, did a fabulous Q and a, he's actually inspired by Miss 45 was the oh. film that he was inspired by, which is odd because I guess he didn't know Tim and the draft house films was distributing that. So he was able to find it on Blu-ray oh, and nice. I, I guess when they announced that at the Q and a is like, uh, yeah, I'm the U S distributor of it. And you know, park was like, Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> he was also inspired by uh, a movie called, um, the housemaid, which was made, I think in the sixties and then was remade a couple years ago. Um, another great, um, even the remake is fantastic. So is the old film. Um, so definitely uh, a highlight of a lot of people's festival. I didn't hear one bad thing uh, of that movie at all. Uh, next up was uh, The Crew, um, which was a very tight and realistic um, uh, film of um, a group of guys that are very good at doing heists, are, uh, have a little bit of a fuck up, and they're caught in between of like, hey – Either we tell on you or you do this job for us. And of course, you know, you wouldn't have the movie um, if they don't do it. Um, But very tight, um, not action packed, but the action is very realistic. Uh, Great performances um, all around a decent movie. That's all foreign film. Yeah, it's a French French film. It's uh, called like Van Quars, I think is the um, French title. Um, It's a tight 80 minutes, man. Yeah, it's it's very short. It gets to the point. There's no fucking bullshit uh, in between. Um, very very cool. Uh, next up, uh, I didn't really want to talk about this movie all that much because well, he's hit it really quick. 
hit and quit it. Well, it was my most anticipated <laughs> film. Uh, it was uh, the Astron Six guys got together and wanted to do a movie called The Void. Uh, they did a Kickstarter for it, um, or Indiegogo, whatever it was, to raise money for creature effects uh, for the film. Um, this is directed by Jeremy Gillespie and uh, um, uh, Steve Kanansky, who are two members of the basically five members of Astron 6, doing kind of an 80s throwback of uh, a monster movie where uh, a cop is in a hospital and the hospital is being sieged by these uh, this cult and monsters are in the building. Sounds fantastic. Um, however, this movie was extremely hollow. Um, monster effects, wonderful special effects, amazing blood, gore, bloody fucking movie. Um, however, there's just nothing to grasp onto, uh, for this film as far as characters go. Um, and I think all around people were kind of let down. I've even heard rumors that the filmmakers actually weren't that happy with their final product. Hmm. Um, so a little disappointing. Um, still those guys are great filmmakers in that way, but it, for right now, Astron six is Astron is stronger, uh, together rather than separating them. Um, next up was uh, sweet, sweet, lonely girl, which has kind of a throwback Polanski esque, um, film about a lady that is hired. She is the uh, niece of a woman that is, what do you call it when you can't go outside? Like, are, what is the, ag- like, agoraphobia, is it called? Uh, the fear of going outside? I don't know. Anyways, anyways, she has that. Let me Google it. it. That's what I'm going to say. I, agoraphobia, or is it orgoraphobia? Is it agoraphobia? I can't remember. So anyways, uh, she agoraphobia. is agoraphobia. Good job, man. All right. Thank you. Thank you. So anyways, whew, sweating that one. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. What is this shit called? Um, so any agoraphobia is when you just get really the fear of being so scared. You have too much creatine, bro. <laughs> agoraphobia on your ass, bro. When aggro, I get, I get, uh, so anyways, Sweet, Sweet, Lonely Girl, directed by A.D. Calvo, who did a film last year at Fantastica Fest called Missing Girl, which was great. You know, a movie, uh, kind of a low-budget horror film called The Midnight Game that I really liked. Uh, so I was kind of excited to see his new film, uh, Sweet, Sweet, Lonely Girl, um, who basically is uh, a niece. She's taking care of her aunt, or her aunt. Yeah, she's taking care of her aunt, who has agoraphobia, um, who realizes that has a little bit of money. So and then she meets her uh, this new girl, this uh, friend who she kind of, you know, has a little bit of thing for um, runs at a smooth 76 minutes. Uh, the trailer is a little misleading. So don't watch the trailer and be like, oh, shit, this looks fucking scary as fuck. No, it's more or less a invasive look at a woman who doesn't have a lot going on for her who is very a little too nice, who is needing a break, who takes a chance on something and abuses it, and some shit happens. Uh, but a really great ending, um, you know, a, a very a very cool ending, I must say. Um, it was uh, kind of up my alley. Cinematography is great. The soundtrack is wonderful. 
Um, so definitely check that out uh, when it hits uh, VOD probably relatively soon. That seemed like that movie already has distribution. Um, next up was one of my favorites of the festival, probably my top five, was The Autopsy of Jane Doe. That stars uh, Amelia, Amelia Hirsch and Brian Cox, who have the best chemistry I have seen in a movie in a long, long time. These two actors are amazing together. Jesus Christ. They play father and son. They play uh, um, uh, Corners, who he's uh, – Amelia uh, Hirsch is I – mean, is it Amelia Aya or just Emil Hirsch? How does he say I it? Emil Hirsch? Emil Hirsch. Emil Hirsch. I'm making him sound like a lady. Um, <laughs> so Emil Hirsch, he's uh, learning and wants to you know, basically take over the family business who uh, are working on, you know, suicide to, to, to cause the term or determine the, 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 the death. Wow, that was a mouthful. <laughs> um, so they get a call um, in the very late night from the sheriff saying they have a body. Um, they found it in a basement and everybody upstairs uh, was murdered. Uh, she looks like she's been there for a while. Um or they don't say been there for a while. It's just a very odd case because she doesn't really have too much going on with her body to show that how long she's been there and she was buried. So um, they get her and they are going to uh, find the cause of death, but there's no, uh, no apparent cause of death at first. So they have to do an autopsy on her and man, you wouldn't think that a one-location movie in an autopsy room is scary, but Jesus Christ, man. This oh, movie is pretty scary. Put me in an autopsy room, and I'd, that's, that's enough just to be in an autopsy and, room. And um, it's such a cool little breakdown of a film. This movie is directed by Andre uh, Overdahl, who directed Troll Hunter. So this mm-hmm. is his follow-up. Um, uh, is an American film that, man, if they re- release this wide – and had a good trailer, this movie would make millions of dollars. And it's comparable to be in one of the scarier movies of, um, that are, you know, released, but also, you know, it's just, it's so fucking good. You can't really say anything about it. Cause it's one of, it's almost like a detective movie. They are getting closer and closer to finding out why she's there and, uh, who this Jane Doe really is. And dude, so fucking good. Cool. Yeah, I saw a lot of positive buzz about that. Plus, they had a cool little uh, display. Very yeah, they had they had an uh, actual um, autopsy looking display. Yeah, they had a uh, rubber uh, doll basically with all the guts inside and everything like that. <laughs> so, um, I can't recommend the movie enough. It will be uh, pretty big, I think, when it comes out. I hope that hopefully it gets a wide release. Um, I hope, but we'll see. Um. Next up was a dark song. It's a movie. Um, this movie was very, very well received and well liked at Fantastic Fest. It just didn't do anything for me. Um, so, anyways, it's it's about a woman who hires uh, this like professional like a cult guy, like a cultist, a cultist. And, yeah, and they uh, lock themselves in a house for months to basically do this ritual. Um, it's a long ritual. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. 
Hmm. Um, <laughs> next up was uh, Belief, um, The Possession of Janet Moses, which is a, a real account of a uh, – I guess in 2007, it happened in New Zealand where uh, this family believed that this woman, Janet Moses, was possessed. So they tried doing their own uh, exorcism, and uh, she ended up dying, of course, which you find out early on and you look it up. Um, so it's basically a very uh, invasive documentary. Um, it's not actually like – it's not really a documentary. It's a reenactment. Huh, they okay. only have a few people because obviously it – what happened was absolutely terrible. So they didn't get to really interview the family. They interviewed like neighbors and stuff, but they reenacted the whole like ritual and stuff like that of, uh, how she actually died. Wow. Um, yeah. I remember this. I remember reading about that actual story. Yeah. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan because it's hard to like, you have to, here, here's the cool part about discussing this is because you have to divide yourself, uh, that, these people have a religion and their religion states that they have to do something, but this is completely, you know, gr uh, not Greek, but foreign, of course, to us. And we don't understand. So it's kind of hard to comprehend be like, wow, these people were kind of silly. You know, I don't want to say anything negative, but you know, you're sitting there like scratching your head, like Jesus Christ, you're fucking kidding me. Like any normal person would just be like, let's go to the fucking hospital. <laughs> um, and this basically uh, goes in depth of Janet Moses' life and what they did, um, which in itself is terrifying. Mm -hmm. um, but the director, David Stubbs, dude needs to do a horror film because he did some killer reenactments. Fucking scary at times, too. Um, next up was uh, Jungle Trap. Man, such a great time. Zach Carlson and Joe Zambia and Annie Choi are amazing, amazing people. So uh, we had um, Zach Carlson and Joe Zambia on our show a while ago when they were uh, promoting uh, their second film of the Bleeding Skull label uh, called um, uh, Soul Tangler. Mm -hmm. uh, and during that time, they uh, were talking about their third film that they're releasing uh, called Run, Coyote, Run, which was directed by James Bryan. Um, the story behind that uh, film was that this guy bought this car, and in the car was uh, some clothes, a boot, and a bag of videotapes. Um, in that bag was like Liar Liar, um, Austin Powers, and then an unlabeled tape, which was a master copy of a film called Run, Cody, Run, which is a lost film that James Bryan did. So there is only like 15 of these made, and all of them were destroyed aside from this one. So uh, Joe Zimbia and uh, Zach Carlson were able to restore the film and release it. Um, but during that time, they contacted James Bryan, and they were like, hey, so we have this movie. And he was like, oh, shit, that's crazy. That's my lost film. So they go to his house. And they are talking to him. And then Zach Carlson looks over to the side and he says, uh, since we're doing Run, Cody, Run, your lost film, uh, I see all these tapes that say Jungle Trap on them. He's like, oh, that's my other lost movie. <laughs> and so uh, this film was shot on video. It was never edited together, never scored, um, just filmed, and that's it. Wow. So 
uh, they were like, okay, well, we want to release that too. So uh, they got together. They hired an editor to edit the film. Joe Zimbia and Annie Choi uh, composed music for the film. And James Bryan was in the theater watching the premiere of his own movie that he's never seen. That's amazing. And this dude was like, he's old. But yeah. man, he was so like after the screening, he was like, you could tell like he was about to cry. <laughs> like he was so thankful. Um, he loved the music. He loved the movie. He was glad everybody was digging it and laughing and having a good time. It's insane. Um, that's fine. I, I love I love hearing stories like that. That's yeah, it was just like he he was just so excited um, that this was able to happen and they, and it, it was amazing that they were able to edit this film and compose it and totally make it feel like it was made in 1990. Nice. Um, so, uh, quite the experience that will be available on bleeding skull. And I think they do DVDs now. Um, uh, but yeah, VHS DVD also, they have VHX so you can, uh, yeah. not VHS VHX, which you can buy the film digitally. um, Next up, I wish I was able to talk to BJ about this one because she loved um, this lady's first film, uh, Midnight Swim, which is directed by Sarah Smith, who had her new film called Buster's Mal Heart that played at uh, Fantastic Fest. And she uh, basically said this is her like kind of love letter to Donnie Darko in a way, hmm. um, which is about a man who's not named Buster. His name's Noah. I don't know. His name's not Buster. They call him Buster because he basically does pranks uh, on the on the radio and stuff like that. So, anyways, he is a mountain man who uh, is on the run from uh, police because he'll break into people's homes and just kind of live uh, there while they're gone. Um, doesn't really hurt anybody, um, but is kind of a nuisance to the world. Uh, it's a linear story that's playing with his past as well. So you start when he is uh, had a family and a kid and uh, his events that bring him to why he's like that. The film is beautiful. It has a great screenplay. The acting is superb. I was not a fan of the ending. Hmm. However, I think a lot of people dug it. Um, but definitely something to check out. Extremely funny too. Um, Sarah Smith's a really great writer. Uh, I enjoyed midnight swim and I know people will enjoy her bigger adventure with uh, Buster's Mount heart. So this stars, uh, is it Rami Malik? Yeah. Apparently he's in a show called Mr. Robot. He's in Mr. Robot. Yeah. And he was yeah. in a uh, short term, short term 12 oh. as well. So apparently he plays the same characters he does in Mr. Robot, which a lot of people, I guess, were upset by. But I never watched that show, so yeah. I thought he was great. He's not uh, – on IMDb, at least, they don't have a character name for him. Oh, his his name's like Noah or something like that. You don't actually – I think they say it a couple times, hmm. but he's mostly known as Buster. Okay. Um, so next up is one of my favorite films of the festival and probably of the year – which is also going to be marked as one of the more fucked up films ever to exist on the planet. Yeah. Um, so it is called We Are the Flesh. Um, 
Holy fuck. Uh, if you remember on Twitter last month, I said my most anticipated films, and one of them was We Are the Flesh. So I started getting these messages from this guy on Twitter asking, is it true that you get to see the brother and sister do an explicit blowjob scene? And whoa, then whoa, clicking on whoa. clicking on his profile, um, you got to see that he asked everybody this question because <laughs> he really wanted to know. Um, and if you're listening, sir, uh, there's extremely explicit blowjob scene in the film. Um, it's just not explicit. It's very explicit. It is about a a man who is living – you don't know where he's living. He's in a building. He is uh, liquefying chicken. <laughs> he is doing something in order to survive. He's making a abandoned building, his own home. Um, then two siblings come uh, inside, and he offers them a way to survive. Um, in this world, in that world, they have a really fucked up life. Um, if you are offended by movies, I highly suggest you don't watch this movie. If you're uncomfortable by explicit stuff, I suggest you don't watch this movie. <laughs> um, I've seen a lot of movies in my life and I love to watch fucked up shit to see if it, you know, is actually fucked up top five, at least, um, fucked up movies I've ever seen. Um, you can't really go more into it cause it's almost like an experimental film at times. Um, and if you do watch it, at least watch it to the end, <laughs> like every movie. But this film really is one of those films where it's like you watch the end and you're like, okay, all right, <laughs> you got me. I guess that was worth it. Dear God Almighty. Yeah, it's um, it's so fucking it's good. It's only it, like it, 79 minutes long, so. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> a long 79 minutes, man. <laughs> I mean, Let's just say some of the keywords here because I'm, I'm bringing up each film on IMDb just so I have a reference here. Some of the plot keywords include pubic hair, vagina, and death. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's a good way to put it. Um, you see a lot of uh, that. Penis um, is in there as well. If you uh, click see all, uh, the word penis. Is you there. see it all. Trust me. Nice. Okay. Um, but such a fantastic movie. The act lead actor who plays the uh, man that's. Uh, because no one really has names, I don't think. No. I think the brother and sister have names, but um, Maria and Mariano. Yeah. So, man, I art exploitation. You need to get <laughs> on this because no one's going to fucking touch this movie. <laughs> this actually uh, would would be a perfect for them. Yeah. It's weird how some labels have like you're like you think a movie you're like oh like okay. I think everybody's going to be afraid to touch it. Yeah. Because it's it's got some really heavy shit in it. Hmm. Okay. And to the point where it is very pornographic. Yeah. Like literally pornographic. So hmm. um it was amazing. Um <laughs> next up is uh Headshot, which is uh I guess by the fight choreographers of the raid, um that stars the guy from the raid. Uh his name's how do you, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um Aikyo Yowas, 
That's the best I could do. Yeah, this is directed by... Stan Boyle and Timo... Yeah, they did a a movie called Killers a couple years ago. Uh, I think they're the fight fight choreographers for the raid. I don't know. Anyways, it's raid-esque. So anyways, it is about a man that's shot in the head who didn't die, who forgets who he is, and then slowly realizes that he was kind of part of a massive um, gang. And drug he realizes blood. he was actually has an animantium skeleton and he, Nope. He no? Um this oh, is this a bone this isn't bo- a, a Wolverine follow up. Bone crushing bad joke. Bone shattering um action film. Really fun action movie. And I'll put it at that. Nice. I'm excited for that, um, this one. A lot of people loved it. Um, next up was a documentary called S for Stanley, which is on Stanley Kubrick, which is actually not a movie about Stanley Kubrick. Mm. It is a film about, uh, this guy named Emilio, uh, Asalandro, who you find out was Stanley's best friend. Um, and he was a major help. Stanley Kubrick's career. He was his driver. He was his messenger. He was his do all. Um, very, very cute and sweet film. Uh, Emilio is still alive. And so it's basically, uh, starting from the beginning of how when he first met Stanley to, uh, the very, 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 very end. Um, very, very cute. You get a little misty eyed watching it. Um, very sweet. Um, just a backstory of, uh, his life and Stanley's life and them working together and, um, how you kind of find out that Emilio was a big part of why Steven or, uh, Stanley Kubrick made eyes wide shut Mm. a little, little fun moment. Not a spoiler is that, you know, he, Emilio wanted to retire many times, but Stanley wouldn't let him because he was like, you know, you're, you're everything to me. You, you may help me do everything. And, um, Emilio wanted to continue with his life and move and, you know, not have that, uh, really crazy movie life. Um, so he retired and then years later he met, uh, Stanley Kubrick and Stanley was working on a movie before he left. And he's like, Hey, how'd your, you know, how'd that movie go? And he's like, I never made it. You left. And so he was like, I'll make it if you come back to work with me. And so Amelia went back to work for a couple of years so he could make eyes wide shut. Wow. Um, but anyways, it's uh, eyes wide shut in a way. There's a lot of things that are uh, tributes to Emilio that you wouldn't know watching the movie without knowing that story. Emilio's in the film. He's got restaurants named after him and all this other stuff. But like you get to really see this is a true bromance that uh, <laughs> happened. So very sweet uh, film. Uh, next up was uh, another film that is – this is probably my number one for the festival. Um, I ate raw meat during this movie um, yeah. because they served raw meat. It is uh, by Juliana Durkanau, who is a French filmmaker. It is her first feature film. Um, it is a what, – What's it called? It's called Raw. Oh, well. Sorry, I don't think right. I said that. So it is about um, a young woman, lady. I'll say girl because it is – she's it's 16. I guess she goes to college. Uh, so she goes to um, veterinarian school 
which most of her family in, are veterinarians. Uh, her sister is a senior at the college. Um, she is in her freshman year, and they are all vegetarians. Um, and she's a hardcore vegetarian. Um, and slowly she realizes that she loves meat and not just any meat humans. So she, it's a coming of age feminist thriller drama about sisterhood and becoming a woman and learning that you (laughs) like to eat people. (laughs) Um, very sweet. So, it is so fucking good. It's unbelievable. Great score. The acting is top notch. It's bloody. It's gross. It's uh, the music is absolutely amazing. Uh, everything about the movie is uh, is great. Literally one of the the, the one of the most perfect films. Uh, everything about it, from the opening to the ending, uh, from everything in between, it's beautifully shot. Um, the story, the dialogue, the characters, everything about this movie is a hundred percent. Like it's so fucking good. So uh, definitely watch Raw. Uh, two of the more fucked up movies of Fantastic Fest were my favorites. So that tells a lot about me. Nice. Um. So next up was one of my Indian films that I saw called uh, Psycho Ramen. Uh, for anybody that follows, it's uh, called Ramen. Rag have 2.0, I guess, uh, in India. It is about a guy. It's it's about a serial killer. Not, not here. Let me put it this way: there was a serial killer by the name of Raman in the 60s. Who I think this is real. Who killed, murdered a bunch of people. Uh, that movie. The movie is not about him. It's about a guy who takes on his name, um, and is probably one of the better actors I've seen in any movie, and one of the most intimidating motherfuckers I've ever witnessed on camera. Um, it's bloody, it's suspenseful. Um, it has a side story with this police officer who is kind of the co-star of the film, which I really didn't like. I wish that it focused more on ramen, um, which would have made the movie probably about an hour uh, shorter, which would have been a good running time probably. Cause I think it overstays its welcome a little bit, but, uh, definitely a, um, uh, a fun a fun film. It's newer. It's not uh, because the repertory screenings of or all the Indian films that played were mostly repertory screenings. This was one of the new ones. Um, next up was Dog Eat Dog, who stars. Let me let me break this cast down for you. Uh, Nicholas Cage oh. and Willem Dafoe. Wow. Willem Dafoe is playing basically every role that Nicholas Cage plays, and Nicholas Cage is playing every role that Willem Dafoe <laughs> plays. So um, in the first five minutes, you get to see Willem Dafoe do coke and beat the shit out of his wife. Hmm. Um, (laughs) That's the type of movie you're watching. Uh, So Paul Schrader made a lot of great films back in the day. Uh, I think he's kind of fell off the wagon a little bit, especially with this film. Um, It's uh, about three basically guys who get out of prison, who work together um, and trying to live a normal life. Um, and they're all friends and they're all crazy. Um, yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's, we're it's, talking about the director of taxi driver here, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Is the director of Taxi Driver or did he write Taxi Driver? No, Martin Scorsese directed. He uh, wrote Taxi it. Driver. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry. he, he, he director. wrote Taxi Driver. I meant, uh, I'm looking at a bunch of things. He wrote Taxi Driver, but he yeah. directed um, American well, Gigolo. Yeah, I mean, people. his okay. his past few films, uh, Dying Dying of the Light or something, and then uh, he made The Canyons, which was terrible. Um, oh, Dying just, of the Light got horrible reviews. Yeah, so like he hasn't been doing too well um, past few years. So when I heard that he had a, Will, a movie with Willem Dafoe and um, you know Nicolas Cage, I was already intrigued. Um, I can't say if the movie's good because it's not. Um, however, don't let that be like, oh, Brad said this wasn't good because that's not the truth at all. Um, it is an experience. It's like watching someone who really loves David Lynch trying to make a movie. <laughs> um, I kind of want to say this. This is not a spoiler. So in the film, this is a this this makes you want to watch the movie. All right. So this listen, don't skip this. Because this will make you want to watch the movie. In Dog Eat Dog, um, Nicolas Cage character is really obsessed with Humphrey Bogart. Um, and in the film, the last 20 minutes, Nicolas Cage isn't playing the character anymore. He starts playing as Humphrey Bogart <laughs> in the Humphrey Bogart accent to kind of this film noir acting. Just out of nowhere. Wow. <laughs> the backstory of that thing is, is that apparently Nicolas Cage did it by himself with no direction and was told not to do it, but wouldn't break <laughs> character. <laughs> so Paul Schrader was forced to film Nicolas Cage as this Humphrey Bogart character that's completely out of left field. It doesn't match the movie. And takes the movie to a weird, weird spiral. That's Nick Cage for you, man. So, anyways, uh, let that just be a part of it. That's how crazy this fucking movie is. Um, moving along. Uh, next is uh, Reborn, which is uh, Toxa Kaguchi's uh, kind of, you know, comeback. Uh Back to cinema. Uh, Takasakaguchi originally came on the scene around 2000 with uh, Ryo Kitamara's film called Versus, which is one of my all-time favorite mm. movies. Um, therefore, he did a few movies afterwards, um, acted till about 2010, and or actually even I think even before that he retired. Uh, he came out of retirement for uh, Sian Sono's film uh, Why Don't You Play in Hell. And then he retired again. And now he's back. Uh, Takasakaguchi is about 40 years old. Uh, he teamed up with the choreographers from Versus to make a Ultimate Fighting movie. Um, even they, um, they say that they created a new martial arts for the film. Um, it is basically a movie where Takasakaguchi kills like over 500 people. Um, okay. there's, a, there's a lot of fucking death in this movie. <laughs> Um, but anyways, it's a fun little action movie, I guess it wasn't, wasn't for me. I was really stoked for it cause I love Takasakaguchi. 
Um, but anyways, that's it. Um, next up was um, Science Fiction Volume 1, The Osiris Child, hmm. which I'm pretty sure this movie, when it comes out, it's just going to be called The Osiris Child, uh, probably part one or something. So it's by Shane Abbas, who directed Infinity and um, Gabriel, which I spoke a lot about on the show. Um, I found out he was directing this. I was immediate, immediately there. Uh, this guy can make a huge sci-fi epic film with a dollar. So, and that's what he does is, uh, he makes a, uh, a, a, a brilliant and, uh, very, you know, it's, it's very basic, uh, science fiction film, but has great characters and amazing special effects. So basically it is about this officer who is, um, leaves his post to save his daughter on this planet um, because they were wanting to colonize uh, this planet with uh, terraformers. And it turns out that the creatures that they were breeding broke loose and they are going to nuke the planet um, because these creatures are, uh, they'll kill everything in its path. They're like called ravengers or something like that. And they just, they're huge and they just eat and kill everything. So he is uh, basically abandons his post, rushes to the planet, uh, befriends uh, Kellen Lutz, who is not a good actor, but is great in this fucking movie. So bravo to Kellen Lutz, who plays a really fucking good action role. Uh, also, it has uh, uh, Dan- Daniel McPherson, who is in Infinity, who does a great job as well. Or is, and wait, no, it's Luke Ford. He plays Luke Ford. Anyways, um, so it is uh, basically an action film uh, where he goes down to this uh, planet that is uh, being sieged by these creatures who this movie has the best fucking creature effects I've seen in ever. Really? Yeah. I mean, everything's practical. These creatures are fucking huge, man. I mean, we're talking about like, you know – Take the biggest creature that you saw in every Star Wars movie or something that's all practical and like amplify that by five. These things move. They're amazing looking. They like they're huge. They're all huge animatronic people like in these. Basically, it's a guy in a suit, but all this fucking shit on him, man. I mean, it looks incredible. Awesome. Um, you just great, totally piqued my interest just now. Yeah, great, um, great special effects. Uh, you know, all futuristic, every, everything from the dog fighting in the sky. This is the Shane Abbas's big epic, and I imagine this is uh, apparently it's a first part of a trilogy. Um, and uh, I really, really hope this thing takes off, or he has funding for the rest of them because it is a fantastic film. Um. And very emotional at times. Cool. Uh, a lot of people, it was kind of mixed reviews because I think people are like, uh, this is super basic. Well, it is. It is a very basic uh, premise. You have to look. This is because I think they look at it and be like, wow, this guy made this $50 million movie um, and didn't really have much of a story. Well, here's a little tip. Shane Abbas probably made it for like under a million dollars. And you think it looks like fifty million? Because uh, I think Infinity wasn't even that big of a budget, and that movie looks spectacular. It looks great, yeah. So I, he would not disclose because a, a question that's frowned upon in Q and A's is, "Hey, what was your budget?" 
Um, and no one wants to answer that question um, just because it's a dumb question. However, I think that was completely relevant in this uh, Q&A, but he wouldn't answer. Um, I'm really curious. I really hope that I find out because I think it's probably under a million because it's super independent. I don't yeah. see him having a big budget for it, but he knows how to stretch a dollar. Um, and I think there's a little poke at the ant word and chappy at this because we have two characters <laughs> – we have two characters that are very, very reminiscent to DeAntword, um, but a, a great film. Uh, next up was uh, Down Under, um, which is another uh, definitely one of my top top movies of uh, the festival. It is about a true story um, that happened in Australia where uh, Australians wanted to basically uh, very race, racist against Muslims. Um, so the film is about two sides, uh, Australian Muslims and Australians, and um, about how one night they decide that each group is going to get together and beat the shit out of another group. Um, very uh, racist, um, but has a very it has a very comedic tone. Uh, pe- some people didn't find it like being a comedy, which you laugh in the film, but it's not really a comedy because it is very serious and completely relevant of what we are doing today. Um, and makes you realize that racism exists everywhere and has always existed and is not going anywhere, Mm -hmm. sadly. Um, but it's extremely funny, uh, very offensive, um, and very, very good. It's very odd that this director was able to pull off a black comedy about a very, very serious subject and have some very serious things happen, but you still laugh about them. Um, next up was, uh, the secret screening, which turned out to be split. Um, uh, M night Shalman's new film. This is the world premiere where this movie was just edited a week before fantastic fest. Wow. Um, and, M. Knight was very thankful that they let him premiere the movie there. Um, it is about uh, James McAvoy is the lead in it. It is about him having um, multiple personalities, DID disorder. Um, and he kidnaps three teenage girls and he has split personalities. So they're headed by one uh, personality, um, which is Kevin. And each time that he visits the girls, he is a different personality. So they try to manipulate his personalities um, in order to escape. However, Kevin alludes to that there is a thing coming for them called the Beast. And that's where they'll meet their demise. Hmm. Um, Apparently in the trailer, uh, you well, very well known what the Beast is and who is the Beast. Um. And that's about it. All right. It it's uh, it got rave reviews because of the last two minutes of the film. I will say that. So don't turn it off after the credits. Wait, there's something that happens after the credits. Yeah. And because of that, it got rave reviews. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Harry Knowles asked the question. This is the dumbest question I've ever heard in a Q&A. And Harry Knowles, who, of course, runs Ain't It Cool News, asked it. He asked, is it okay if we spoil the end of the film You're in our review? Fucking he, – he, he, 
He wanted to know if he could actually say what you hear and see. Of all people. Yeah. He's the one that asked. Yeah. Apparently. That's I a, left. That's a rookie mistake. Dude, I it's gonna get spoiled, but honestly, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> um so <laughs> next up was a Korean film cut, Asura, the City of Madness which is another bone-crunching film. A lot of dialogue-heavy. Uh, the plot is basically a cop um, uh, accidentally murders another cop and is being tossed around from the gangsters who know the truth and the police department and the mayor. He's working for both sides, but neither side know he's working for the other. And he gets himself into some deep shit, and uh, it ends up in a bloody, bloody fucking battle. Um, some great, uh, great fight scenes, um, great car chase, uh, a lot of great things. Um, next up was uh, I got to see the world or U.S. premiere of Shin Godzilla, the new Godzilla film that's out from Japan. Um, it is a Godzilla movie, and. Uh, Godzilla has googly eyes and he looks super weird. Um, <laughs> Wait, what? Dude, it's like they pasted googly eyes on Godzilla. Not like when he's like fully Godzilla, he like develops throughout the film, but he yeah. looks like he has googly eyes. It's really funny. It looks awful. Because um, <laughs> people I, are really, really raving. Here's the I'm thing. I'm a is, fan of the remake and people like, the people say, finally, finally, this is like, Fuck the remake! Like this is finally a good Godzilla movie, but it's a Godzilla. To me, a Godzilla movie is a Godzilla movie, man. Well, here's the thing: is that Shin Godzilla is like two hours and two hours long. It is the most dialogue heavy movie I've ever seen. Wow! Like literally, it's not for Godzilla movie. There's so much goddamn meetings and Uh, stuff. Like it's almost to the part where it's funny and you're laughing because. They just cut scene, cut scene to a different boardroom talking about Godzilla. Uh, Godzilla does go apeshit twice, and that's what people raved about. But I've never seen so much talking and so much text on the screen to the point where it was la- everybody was laughing. Everybody's having a good time because it's absolutely fucking ridiculous. I'm seeing pictures of uh, the googly eyes. Yeah. So um, next up... <laughs> Next up was uh, Bad Robots uh, Restoration of Phantasm, which I missed at uh, South by Southwest because I was uh, deathly sick. Um, Quick uh, backstory on that real quick. If you don't know, when J.J. Abrams was uh, doing Star Wars, um, he has, of course, a character, Captain Phasma, uh, in the film. And it's uh, kind of like an homage to uh, uh, Phantasm, of course, the spear, you know, uh, Captain Phasma's helmet. Um, so he contacted Don Cascarelli and asked for a print of the film so he could screen it for the Star Wars crew, which is super badass. Um, but Cascarelli gave him bad news saying, well, uh, there actually is no good print of the film. They are pretty much all fucked. Um, <laughs> uh, with, with those, with the right before 1980, uh, the film that they were using, uh, the Kodak, uh, uh, for, uh you know, 35. Um, it would turn red. So a lot of films, they would just be all the, it would bleed and it'd be like, have this reddish fade all to it. 
Um, so JJ Abrams was like, fuck that shit and grabbed, uh, what he could. And, um, they remastered it themselves from whatever prints they could have. And that's where Phantasm remastered came. And then well go, of course, picked up, uh, Phantasm and Phantasm Ravager. Uh, the print is gorgeous. It sounds absolutely fantastic. Uh, the gunshots, the spears flying through the air, uh, boy, all that sounds <laughs> fucking incredible. They did some um, like kind of wire removal cleanup too, right? Kind of like, um, uh, some people were complaining about that, but they did a few little digital removal of some things apparently. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're saying there was, uh, some digital stuff uh, done in there, but hey, it looks it looks fantastic. I think more along the lines of like how they re- when they remastered Blade Runner, they just took out some wires and yeah, you know, yeah, nothing like uh, the freaking pre you know the what Lucas did to Star Wars. Yeah, so it's it looks great. Can't wait for people to see it. I cool. think everybody's pleased that or is uh, at the theater um, seeing the remastered. Uh, next was um, is that a bird or is that that's Noah? my. That's my goddamn kids, man. They are <laughs> – I don't know what they're doing. Let's just hope my house does not burn down throughout the rest of the podcast. It, it sounds like a, it sounds like a bird, like a cockatiel. It's, like it's having a, a four-year-old scream. <laughs> just like, thank um, God I'm not out in there. That's all I got to say. Uh, sounds fun. <laughs> Parenthood. Um, then uh, yeah. after midnight – uh, the next morning at 11 o'clock, I got to see Phantasm Ravager. Now, this film is up for big debate with me. Um, I've been a lifelong uh, Phantasm fan since I was younger when I very first watched uh, the original Phantasm. Uh, Phantasm is batshit. It's uh, very – has this huge nightmarish quality to it to where it is scary. Like there are some scary moments in the film. Um, to the point where, like, when Tall Man cha- chases Jody to, uh, not Jody. What's the kid's name? Jody's the older brother than Reggie. Off the top of my head, I don't know. It's been, I've been waiting for a decent, Mike. uh, the Mike. Blu-ray to rewatch it. Oh, Mike. His name's Mike. Cool. Um, so, like, you know, chasing Mike, Mike, Mike being in the funeral parlor. I mean, just everything. There's a lot of scary moments mm-hmm. in the film. And I love the sequel and the third one. That trilogy alone, we won't talk too much about four because that one we'll give a free pass to four um the, the the original trilogy is superb it's 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 a you know all the films are connected like as soon as one ends the other one picks up and it just continues um and i i love the film film so much so when i remember hearing about uh, after you know oblivion came out in the 90s for years uh, Coscarelli was talking about a movie, the fifth one, called Phantasm's End. That's what it was called at the time. Is uh, like a group of military guys go after the tall man of futuristic world, which everybody was down for. Sadly enough, that never really happened. Um, and I guess the project just sat there. Uh, finally, this guy, David Hartman, who is an animator for Disney, wanted to uh, kind of pick up where, you know, Reggie and Mike and Jody all left off with the tall man. And make the fifth and final uh, Phantasm film. So uh, it was like eight years in production, though. Uh, about, what, a year and a half ago, we saw like a teaser trailer out of nowhere. Yeah. Everybody fucking flip. Um, and it premiered. Um, now, people didn't like it. 
Uh, I'll just be upfront about that. There is a lot of negativity uh, from the film that it looked cheap. It's just bad. Um, and I'll, I'll say this. The film isn't great. It's not good, but it's not terrible. It is made solely for the fans of Phantasm, it feels like. If you went in this movie blind, you would probably turn it off in 15 minutes, <laughs> maybe less. Um, but there's enough fanfare in it. There's enough stuff between Jody and uh, and Jody and Mike and Reggie, uh, you know, Angus Scrim's final performance. I mean, what a better way for Angus Scrim to go out and then reprising his roles tall man yeah um it's a bad shit fucking crazy story it's low budget you know people were complaining oh it looks it looks it's cheap it looks cheap it's low budget and the acting's bad well i was like well if you think that then you think all the other phantasms are terrible (laughs) because it's the same fucking actors yeah you know i mean these guys are enjoying what they're doing you could tell reggie is really into what he's doing you could tell that mike is wanting to come back you know, it's like hanging out with old friends. Is this um, one of the few sequels or a few, few series that like every movie has this pretty much the same characters and is following them throughout? Yeah, the only thing that changes is that in Phantasm 2, you know, the guy who played Mike, I can't remember his name uh, off the top of my head. He didn't come back. Okay. You know, it was reprised by uh, uh, or not reprised, but a, another actor stood in place. Yeah. It's actually originally supposed to be Brad Pitt. And Brad Pitt dropped out, and then uh, this other guy took over. Um, but then, you know, uh, Mike came back for the third and fourth and fifth one. Okay. So, um, but it's fun. It has enough fanfare. It has enough tie-ins to the original. There's cameos in the film. That's great. Um, you know, a lot of practical blood. Um, but there's a lot of heavy, heavy, heavy-duty, uh, you know, effects computer effects and it looks like you might be playing like a 1995 video game (laughs) you know kind of like how i remember a game called earth siege um if anybody remembers earth siege 2 is pretty popular it was like 96 and you know the cutaway cinematics with the you know digital fire in the background with you know they they were using real people for their cutscenes. you know that's kind of what Phantasm Ravenger looks like. Uh, is it sci-fi level, sci-fi channel level, or, or a little bit better than that? It's, it's a little worse. <laughs> um, but here's the thing, is that uh, I don't want anybody not to watch this. If people are going to watch it, they're going to dislike it. I know that. But for hardcore Phantasm fans, this is something that you're going to sit back and be like, eh, okay, I enjoyed it for this right. and what it was worth. I'm not going to sit there and think it's awful. Um it's the, the fifth movie. I had fun with it. The actors have fun with it. You know, it pays so much respect to the originals. It keeps your batshit crazy story. You know, it's a fun fifth movie made, what, 1979, mm-hmm. 2016. I mean, what more do you want? Not every, like, this movie's not going to have a big budget because it's fucking Phantasm. The movie's never had a big budget they were all diy attitudes yeah you know they never made a ton of money i mean their pop one and two were popular at the time but i think even part four had a home video release and never actually went to the theater yeah uh next up was the high frontier which was a uh a thriller set in um the snow ultimately i think this guy was a big fan of the thing and kind of wanted to do something along (laughs) the lines of that um, not a horror film by any means. A uh, very basic story about two brothers and their father that go up 
to the mountains to have a vacation, and uh, they find a drifter, and the drifter has kind of a dark past, and it kind of unfolds right there in the cabin. It's from Norway, um, so it's really pretty. It's got some, uh, you know, awesome music. Um, it's a, just a decent movie. Um, next up was uh, Safe Neighborhood, which brought the house down. Um, the first night, and then it played again, but it played like on four screens because people were obsessed with this. Wow. Um, I need to watch it again. Um, I just, it didn't do it for me, but I tell you what, man, this is like the hit of the festival, it seemed. It's by, uh, Chris Peckover, who did a movie called Undocumented in about 2010. Um, that movie was okay. Um, anyways, it is a, Christmas uh, kind of horror thriller of um, I know it already sounds great um, <laughs> with uh, a babysitter who's taking care of uh, this, you know, kitty's about 12 uh, parents are going on a Christmas party and they deal with a home invasion with a twist. Um, it's like, I know right now you're probably jacking off saying, Oh my God, Brad, show me this movie. Um, <laughs> I just didn't dig it. Uh, I think the first half of the movie is a lot better. It's a really dark comedy um, as well, so it's not like really a total horror film. It's more like a like a comedy thriller. Um, so I uh, yeah, I I know people will love it. I know you'll love it. It just I don't think it was for me. I'm gonna give it another chance though. We'll see. Um, I tell you one thing that's really fun is that uh, the guy Chris Beckover really loves Home Alone. Um, <laughs> it's like a really mean like Home Alone. Um, okay. There's even a line in the movie. Did you just Home Alone that guy? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's uh, it's 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 fun in that aspect. It just overall it didn't do it for me. But like I said, I might have been grumpy that day, um, which is every day. Uh, next up was the sequel to Wolf Cop. Yeah. Called Another Wolf Cop who has the best theatrical poster I have seen <laughs> uh, since birth. Uh, the dude designed. Since you saw the Cobra? Yeah. The guy, <laughs> took, the guy took the Cobra poster, dude designs, and basically made a Wolf Cop poster out of it and put sequels are to the disease, meet the cure. Um, this movie is total fun. It's exactly what the first one was wanting to be, I guess. It's just it took them a while to actually get to the Wolf Cop. Because I think the Wolf Cop portion of the film was a lot better than the beginning of the film. Yeah. Uh, so he's just full Wolf Cop on this time. Uh, you know, a lot of returning characters. Uh, Astron 6 uh, has a cameo. Oh, nice. Um, uh, Kevin Smith plays a kind of a larger role in the film. Wait, what? Yeah, Kevin Smith uh, is in the film uh, a little bit. Wow. I can't wait for all the Kevin Smith haters to hate Wolf Cop, another Wolf Cop, just because of that. Yeah, it was funny because people, like, after the movie, they're like, I guess someone owes Kevin Smith owes money. Yeah. I was like, I'm pretty sure he got $0 for another <laughs> Wolf Cop. Movie costs like $15,000 to make. I highly doubt he got anything. Um, next up was Sadako versus Kayako. Which huh? is the oh, sh which oh, is the shit. ring grudge uh, 
oh. uh, versus movie. My God. So if anybody doesn't know this exists, uh, Jay Hor was run into the ground uh, <laughs> in in the late 2000s. Um, Jay Hor was great between 95 and 2000. Yeah. Um, I am a huge Jay Hor fan. I will school you on knowledge. I love those movies until they got a little silly when we got Juwan 18. Well, thank God um, the ring versus the grudge isn't silly at all. <laughs> so when this was first announced at uh, like TIFF and then was announced at Fantastic Fest, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, this movie can't be good. Like, what, what is, is are pe- programmers trolling their audiences? No, it's fun. It, 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 it really is. Um, it's it's not as eventful as you would think it would be, but it's just I think the filmmakers even know like, oh, man. What are we going to do now? Well, let's just pit them against one another. Let's have someone watch the tape in the house of Juwan. Why not? Um, and then let the ghosts fight one another. Um, <laughs> so, like, it, it's it's fun. It, it was actually really funny listening, uh. Uh, t- talking to a group of people because they were uh, – in the film, they talk about urban legends. You know, they talk about the death house, which is the Juwan story, and then they talk about the cursed videotape, which is the ring of – but they have all these other ones like uh, – Hanako on the toilet and they're like, haha, that'd be funny if that was a movie. And I'm like, uh, there is a movie called Hanako, the toilet ghost. Nice. Yes. Uh, th- there's a lot of J horror, uh, films that are not well known, like, uh, you know, Juwan, uh, which I keep saying Juwan, but it's the grudge people. Um, it's also known as a curse. It's where it all comes from. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, Sadako, Sadako is the name of, uh, the girl in the ring, you know her as Samara in the ring yeah. remake. Um, so anyways, uh, it's, it's fun. It's exactly what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to make you laugh. It's goofy. Um, if you like those films, even if you don't like the films, uh, I had a lot, it got a great response at the festival. I was surprised at how many people dug it. Um, next up was fraud, which is one of the more most interesting "Quote unquote docu- documentaries I've seen. It's not really a documentary. Um, it got nominated for a documentary award, and a lot of people are pissed. So this movie is completely comprised of YouTube footage. Oh. Um, it is a filmmaker who was found this couple who documented their entire lives, pretty much." And a good portion of this, uh, all uploaded to YouTube. A normal family going through normal things, just posting their videos online. He had a lot of footage. Um, he took the footage and reworked it. So this footage that he compiles together looks like these are two criminals with children that are doing way illegal things to commit insurance fraud and are on the run from the police to Canada. Hmm. It's made to show you how normal footage can be twisted Mm. into making you look bad. Um, I wasn't there for the premiere. I was there uh, during the second screening and the director was gone. Um, it wasn't introduced properly. 
Um, so after I watched it, it was like, wait, did we just watch an hour footage of people commit insurance fraud for dick shit? Like, what the fuck? Like, how is this good? I was pissed. And then afterwards, one of the programmers said, oh, no, that's all fake. Like, it's it's all fake. It's just made to look like that. And I was like, oh, OK. I was like, that makes a lot more sense. Um, so anyways, um, really interesting that you can take just normal footage and make people out to be insurance frauds. Um, well, you see it happen all the time with people recutting trailers like Mary Poppins look like a horror movie. And yeah, yeah it's yeah. all about how you manipulate the footage. Yeah. And it's uh, it's not great, but it's really is interesting. It's an interesting take. I mean, you see this all the time, and I mean, every political season you see this crap with both sides trying to attack each other. I mean, it's it's something that happens a lot. Right. Um. Next up, uh, this movie is supposed to be really. Re- re- oh boy! Whoa! 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 Been drinking. <laughs> Damn. So this movie was supposed to be released in October. It got pushed back all the way to January, mm. and we were able to see uh, the world premiere of – I think it's world premiere of uh, John Boyer's uh, Monster Calls, which he directed uh, The Orphanage and oh. The Impossible. Um, this has Sigourney Weaver, Liam Neeson. Uh, that's pretty much it. Why did they push this back to January? You remember the Jan- January is kind of the uh, you know the graveyard um, I guess of – For Oscar season, I think is what they said. Okay. So uh, we're fortunate to see it. I couldn't believe they only played it once, and um, I was fortunate enough to see it, be in the theater when they screened it. Um, if you watch the trailer, good luck of surviving because you'll cry. <laughs> it looks it looks great. Um, it is. Uh, if anybody knows, it's based on a book. If you read any, I guess yeah, it's a kid's book um, about a ma- a, a boy whose mother is dying, um, and. Through his drawings and through his imagination, he develops this monster from a tree who is going to tell him three stories. And then the fourth story has to be the kid. To He's got to tell a story to this tree, which is the monster. Um, and the monster's there to heal. It's a healing monster. And he, through his uh, stories, he tells these uh, kind of you know, bad stories that happened to these people and how he healed them. Um, It's pretty devastating. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't as heavy as I thought it was going to be, but it's still, uh, still pretty fucking sad. Um, So next up was, uh, I'm going to skip one film to talk about it last. Okay. Um, Because I actually talked about these in order to how I saw them. Um, Aside from this one, I'm going to flip. I'm going to talk about the closing night film first and then talk about the film, this other film last because it's a lot better, uh, which a lot of people don't think so. Um, so Nacho Bigalondo's uh, film uh, premiered uh, at Fantastic Fest closing night film called Colossal, uh, which uh, Nacho Bigalondo directed Open Windows, which wasn't very fun. Um, he directed uh, uh, time, uh, time Crimes, which I uh-huh. – absolutely adore i love and he directed um uh extraterrestrial which i love and adore as well and all his short films are great uh, open windows was the only film i didn't really care too much well it's, it's okay it's um i like the idea of open windows this but. film brought down the house again 
Uh, it was a film I was not a hundred percent on. Um, it's definitely due for a rewatch. Um, a lot of backstory to this film. He apparently had a reshoot, not reshoot, but just kind of make a new monster because he made it a little too close to Godzilla. Cause even the poster is very Godzilla like, <laughs> um, so basically it is, it sounds like I'm fucking with you when I tell you this plot, but I'm not fucking with you. This is the honest to God's truth. What the film's about. Uh, we have, uh, the beautiful Anne Hathaway, uh, who is living in New York and she's kind of a drunk. Uh, she lives with, uh, the awesome Dan Stevens, AKA the Terminator from the goat, uh, the guest, um, his, her life is kind of flip flopping. He's tired of it. He kicks her out. She goes, moves back to her hometown, uh, which, uh, she was, uh, really good friends with, um, a character who's, uh, played by, uh, Jason Sudeikis, who's from, you know, SNL and stuff. He does a great job, by the way. Great, great actor, actually. Sweet. Um, goes back, uh, kind of tries to get her life together, um, and, you know, tries to find a job and everything like that. Meanwhile, if she's at this certain place at a certain time, she has this ability to cause this monster to show up in Seoul and attack buildings. But whatever she does in this area, you know, in this like playground area, which she can emit this uh, whenever she's there, the, the monster appears and she can destroy the city. Hmm. Um, and she slowly realizes this, this is a comedy, by the way, it's not like an action fucking thriller <laughs> or anything. Um, but she can control the monster from where she is. Um, yeah. And it's about her life trying to get it back together while dealing with this crazy fucking thing. Um, not for me, but, uh, I have my reasons. Um, but I can't of course express them on the show because I would be giving stuff away. Um, definitely up for a rewatch just to see if it, if I dig it the second time. Yeah. Um, I will tell you, I am completely alone on this. I didn't meet one person that disliked the film. I was uh, solely, haha, no pun intended, um, because it takes place in Seoul. Um, <laughs> uh, right. I was alone, a hundred percent. So uh, <laughs> m- I might be doing something wrong. Um, next up, and finally, the film I saw before Colossal that I fucking love was Mike Mendez, the motherfucker behind Grave Dancers and a big ass spider and some other awesome B fucking movies. Fucking don't kill it. Um, fucking Dolph Lundgren plays the lead. I've never seen Dolph Lundgren have so much goddamn fun on screen. Nice. This movie is a horror film. It is about a demon that you can't kill the person because it inhabits the person that it kills. So you can't kill it uh, unless you want to be possessed by this demon. Um, course Dolph Lundgren is the badass that hunt is a demon hunter who's hunting this demon since he was little uh, goes into a small town and it's going to raise hell this movie is fun it has the best one-liners Dolph Lundgren is having so much goddamn fun Mike Mendez really knows how to make a 
fun little throwback movie. Um, it's awesome. Um, and I can't wait for people to see it. Um, it's goofy, it's cheap, it's cheesy, all that kind of stuff too. So don't like think it's going to be the fucking Bad Boys 2 of, you know, action movies or some <laughs> shit. Um, cause nothing beats Bad Boys 2, aside from maybe Smoking Aces. I do like Smoking mm. Aces. But, um, you know, a fun little horror comedy with, uh, Dolph Lundgren completely embracing this role, which was fantastic. I wish I could have been there at the premiere because apparently it was, uh, really fun. Um, Mike Mendez and Dolph Lundgren got along really well. And you could tell it on screen that everybody's having a good time. Very cool. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was Fantastic Fest. Damn, man. There's a lot of films I didn't see, um, that got crazy good, uh, you know, reviews and people loved, but you could only see so much while you're there. Yes. So, um, you wow. know, I slowly, I will, uh, be seeing other films, uh, when they come out on BOD. Uh, sometimes, you know, you have to be, don't get a little upset. Write these down so you don't forget them. I'll talk about the ones that I love when they're, uh, when they come out. I'm but, putting uh, you, all of these into the show notes, by the way. And I'm putting little asterisks by the ones that you loved. Yeah. So, um, my top 10 would be, uh, Autopsy of Jane Doe. Um, uh, down under, we are the flesh, raw, and science fiction volume one. That was Cyrus Child. Um, but those were probably my top five of the fest. Um, very diverse lineup this year. There was a lot of crazy shit that played. Uh, stuff that I still wanted to see, but I just couldn't get around to it because there's not enough time in a day. Um. Another film that everybody loved that played um, that I didn't get to see was The Girl with All the Gifts, which is a young adult novel. But people are comparing and they're saying this is the new, like, uh, 28 Days Later type thing. Hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty excited of checking that out. Cool. There's uh, plenty of films that, uh, you know, I still want to see. And I'll uh, track down when they slowly come out. Awesome. So. Derek Smith has also been covering some uh, Fantastic Fest movies uh, for the site or at thescreamcast.com. So check those out, uh, what he's been putting up. He interviewed Ivan uh, Tversky, uh, oh, director zoology. of Zoology. Um, he also Which picked up, was picked up by U.S. Arrow and oh, U.K. Sweet. Arrow he, picked that up. He also reviewed uh, Nova Seed, Greasy Strangler, uh, Zoology, and uh, some other stuff. Uh, I th- actually, I think that's it so far. He has a he's going to be submitting a bunch of other reviews, so we'll have more reviews popping up on the, on the website there. Uh, speaking of the website, uh, we have we're we're, uh, we're doing an, an experiment with enamel pins. Um, Brad's been talking with me about this for for a while and. Brad has some really great ideas, knows a really great artist, so we figured, what the hell, let's uh, try to make an enamel pin. So if you go to screamcast.com slash, uh, or just click on the store button, don't click the drop down products button, because that's broken and I can't seem to remove it. I don't know, I'm, I'm working out some bugs here. But click on the store button, it'll take you to our store, and um, you'll see oily enamel pin. It's a one and a half inch enamel pin uh, designed by uh, Omar. Is it Hoxson? 
hey, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Uh, based on his popular, he did some prints called ga- called Garbage Flesh Eaters, were a bunch of kind of garbage pail kid inspired uh, prints. This was one of them, and uh, it's 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 of course a, a take on the uh, Tar Man from Returning Return of the Living Dead. So really cool design, and we're selling them for ten bucks shipped over there for U.S. Uh, there is a there's a charge for international, and uh, we have uh, they're limited to a hundred. So grab them while you can. Uh, you know, just experiment. Brad, you have a bunch of other ideas that you've been We have talking. quite a bit, so if it does well, we will be doing this more frequently. Yeah, a lot, a lot of fun um, ones. We uh, know it's going to take some time to get off the ground, but, um, I mean, so far we can't really complain because, I mean, we're brand new. Um, and, you know, of course, you know, people are always apprehensive about, uh, you know, yeah, especially like dropping a, money on something. A podcast with an, an, an enamel pin? What the hell? But I don't know. There's just some of these ideas are so great, and no one else is doing them, so we might as well give this a shot. So that's up there. That's a way for you, for you to support the podcast. There, um, another way you can support the podcast, of, of course, is go to our sponsors page. Uh, there's the if, at thescreamcast.com. Click on sponsors, and uh, as, you know, give Vinegar Syndrome some love. Uh, I talked about Horror Pack earlier. Of course, I plugged Coffee Shop of Horrors um, and the Grindhouse video. But also, uh, Wolfman of Mars, they just had a new album come out, so give them a, a check out, check out their music, and uh, and check out Kevin Spencer's art that he does. So all those links are on the site there, and uh, just give them some love. That's a, that's a way you can uh, help us out by kind of, you know, these these people have connect, partnered with us, and, you know, um, just a way for them to know that um, that they are loved by you guys. So... I think that's all the announcements I had for stuff to talk about. Yeah? Mm. We still, we've been trying to get this Vinegar Syndrome show together. We have a bunch, It'll happen. It'll a happen. bunch of stuff to watch uh, the past two months. Their their new pack just came out, but we're going to try to get the last two uh, months covered. And, um, man, they're going to have a hell, of a hell of an October, so I'm excited about that. We'll probably maybe combine September and October. Because it's a lot of fun stuff to talk about there for the next one. But um, we'll be doing that very soon, so keep an eye out. And uh, all you guys have a fantastic week. Oh, we got to do the mask giveaway. Oh, shit. We got a giveaway, man. I'll take you, I'll let you take it. So uh, Cult Epics has released one of my uh, favorite uh, modern giallos. This movie is made in like 2011, though. Uh, came out finally on uh, Nico's new label, Real Gore. Um, so this is the second release after they did, uh, the remake of violent shit. This is, uh, their second, uh, release, which I personally recommend you get uh, a soundtrack in that set. You get the movie, of course, and a nice little slip, uh, like slip box. And then really a slip cover. It's like a, like a box, um, you know, uh, stacked to, uh, as much special features as Nico can do as usual. Um, and so, uh, basically, uh, Nico has a giveaway. Uh, you need to purchase this film, uh, number one, to be entered into the giveaway. You need a proof of purchase after uh, 10 to 16. Is that today? Yep. All right. So after 10 to, um, if you show your proof of purchase, that will enter you in to win a, an official License. I don't know if they're licensed. I'm just making this sound better. <laughs> Nico, if they're not licensed, I'm sorry. 
Um, but anyways, uh, an, an official masks T-shirt. Nice. Um, so uh, there's uh, a few to give away. Um, well, I'll tell you what. If you enter, you'll probably get the shirt because I don't imagine we'll have a ton of people purchasing <laughs> uh, masks. Um, it, but it comes highly recommended for me. If you listen to this show religiously, which I don't know how you do it, um, <laughs> I've talked about masks for quite some time actually uh, on the show. Um, I even had an in-depth talk uh, about it with on our Mono Macabro shows yeah. with Pete Toombs. Um, I have always been a fan of masks uh, since 2011 and have been hounding a few companies to release it. So um, this is a personal recommendation for me, uh, one of my favorite modern GLs, one of my favorite movies of that year. Um, truly a great uh, giallo film with a killer soundtrack. So enjoy it. Purchase it. It's well worth it. Um, and also support Nico's new label and, of course, anything else on Called Epics. Because he releases shit that, kind of like art exploitation, that they don't really touch. Um, you know, so uh, giving films a chance. So I will be uh, I'll be happy to see if you uh, purchase that and we'll get you a T-shirt. Very cool. So, um, Other than that, I think that's it. Other than plug, 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 plug. <laughs> Um, of everything else. So, yep. Uh, also, if you uh, if you buy anything from Vinegar Syndrome or any of our sponsors, Horror Pack or Grindhouse Video, uh, or even Coffee Shop of Horrors, I have some sample coffee to give away, and I have uh, I think uh, one more mug left to to give away. So we'll do a couple drawings at the time. So you got a couple weeks, um, but during that time, if you buy anything from our sponsors. And uh, if you email us the proof of purchase uh, that you've done that, uh, we'll enter you into the drawing. So you can email for both these drawings, email readme at thescreamcast.com. That will uh, enter you into uh, these drawings. So there you go. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's show. I want to thank all you guys for being patient. We had a couple week hiatus there. But um, hey, I was at Fantastic Fest. I mean, what do you guys want? So, know. yeah, and if you fucking – if I hear one more person say, oh, man, I got to go, fucking go. You have a year to save up. It's a fairly cheap festival. Your badge costs about 400 bucks, but you got to break it down to like 30-some movies and a oh, fucking yeah. party and a bunch of free drinks. Yeah. It's well fucking worth it. Um, so in airfare, it doesn't cost a lot. The hotel is probably the only thing that you pay a lot for. Um, but a great fest. Cool. One of the best times of my life. So great every single time. Very nice. All right. We'll talk to all you guys next time. Of course, drop us a line on uh, social medias. It's all there the, at the screamcast.com. There's all the social media links. Uh, drop us a line and we'd love to hear from all of you. All right. Have a great week. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun.